From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you. Seven minutes past the hour. Thanks for waking up early in the morning. We begin with 23 charged with domestic terrorism after violent activities, not protests, violent activities in Hotlanta, Atlanta, Georgia. Some bizarre group is trying to bail them out of jail. They completely, this is all a part of bizarro world, they completely flip the script. They're not acknowledging that 23 people are charged with domestic terrorism and violent activities in Atlanta. You, you had police officers that were going to be training in a facility, and then you had these violent people at the uh, site of an Atlanta public safety training facility. And this bizarre group that's trying to bail them out of jail by saying that the police officers are violent and that they attack these wonderful people. I mean, it's, 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 it's so over the top anymore that it doesn't matter. It used to be if somebody did something terrible like this, alleged, you had agreement about what disposition should be. Not anymore. You have Joe Biden, you have Kamala Harris, you have them as candidates for the two highest offices on planet Earth, bailing people out of jail that they call protesters. And here's the incredible thing about this, and it really proves the political agenda in our country. This is an administration that Probably still, but at least did go after parents that merely were attending school board meetings. Peaceful, but very concerned about their five and six and seven, eight, nine, ten and eleven year olds being sexualized and all these horrific things in the curriculum. And you had the attorney general, the president of the United States, you had them going after them as domestic terrorists. Meanwhile, on this, where they really are violent uh, domestic terrorists alleged, the White House response is, quote, we don't know anything about this protest. Literally, the press secretary said she didn't know anything about this protest. But, of course, she knew to call it a protest, though. What can you say about this? And honestly, the next election can't get here soon enough. I've I've never said this before because, you know, my doctrine, you know, I come from parents that led very short lives. I cherish every second of every minute of every hour of every day. But I would forfeit I would forfeit the next couple of years to get to the election of 2024. It's that it's that do or die. And think about, oh, my gosh, you make a statement like that, what you would miss over two years.
in the lives of your children, your grandchildren, your your own accomplishments or dreams and all. But I would I would give it up in a second and say I'm two years older. What happened? I don't know. It's two years. Because we I tell you, we can't live like this. This this is crazy. It's no, it's not crazy. It's it's dangerous. They're lying because they know this happened. They lie that they didn't know. I don't know what's worse. That you say you didn't know? Or that you do nothing about it? That you call it a protest? These And, and uh, 21, I believe, of the 23 people were not from Atlanta at all. They came from France, from Canada, Arizona, Colorado, Utah. There are two uh, Georgia residents, though. And, and incidentally, one of them is a staff attorney for this left-wing group, the Southern Poverty Law Center. The irony there is that group has been used, and hopefully this all comes out in the weaponization hearings that House Judiciary Chairman Jim Jordan has convened uh, as of yesterday. And that's a second story that we'll share with you after the first break. But ironically, this Southern Poverty Law Center, which one of the arrested domestic terrorist alleged domestic terrorists is a staff attorney for this left-wing Southern Poverty Law Center, which has been used by the FBI to target Christian and conservative organizations as hate groups. Now, again, do you, do you see what I'm saying here? Peaceful conservatives and Christians, they're hate groups. But the real hate groups are nothing more than protesters to be defended. And believe me, they're being defended right now. You have a group, I forget the name of it, but you have a group that's trying to bail them out of jail right now by saying that it's the Atlanta police who are the violent criminals. They come to an Atlanta public safety training facility and do all that they do, armed with fireworks and Molotov cocktails and rocks, and they're launching a coordinated criminal attack against police officers. But yet somehow the police officers are the bad guys. They initially detained 35 people. So I don't know. I don't know who these other 12 are and how they got scooped up or other. Yeah, 12 because they arrested 23. Multiple pieces of equipment were destroyed by fire and vandalism. It's a violent attack. 
And it was an attack at a public safety training center. And what do you, I mean, what do you call these people? Anarchists? You know, who are they? What are they? And and on Monday, the president of the United States and his press secretary, they don't know anything about it. Except they know that they were protests. That's something that during the summer of love, we we made pretty much a daily doctrine on this program. These are not protests. No way. No how. When you're bombing police stations and all these things that these criminals have been doing in the the age of Biden. And they defend these people and they bail them out every time they can. We've got to get out of the business. Even reasonable news uh, agencies were putting violent protests. They're not protests. A protest is you believe in something very, very strongly or you're against something very strongly and you go and you protest and you bring a sign. I remember one day and, and there's actually my brother took pictures of it and he sends me the picture every once in a while. There was a group that was protesting at, um, I was going to say Kentucky Fried Chicken for some reason, Uh, eat more chicken, uh, Chick-fil-A. So I'm over there and I interviewed the the protesters. I forget the name of some, some group had a name. There was about four people, five people. I forget exactly how many, but it wasn't that many, but they had signs and they weren't, they weren't bothering anybody. Their signs were very uh, unsupportive of Chick-fil-A. And I interviewed them. That's a protest. But when they're blowing things up and throwing rocks at police officers and shooting fireworks in their faces and throwing Molotov cocktails and burning equipment, that is a coordinated criminal attack. It is not a protest. We've got to get out of, you know, the Democrats are very, very good at Words that sound good, but their actual goal is the opposite of the words that they speak. It's very simple. You just don't believe what they say. If they say that it's an infrastructure bill, you know it's not. It's some climate equity goofy bill. And that's what they do. And this is how they remember fiery but mostly peaceful protests. They think they get to define the language because let's face it. If I told you that domestic terrorists are charged with a coordinated criminal attack against police officers and that they have destroyed a bunch of equipment and were physically assaulting police officers with fireworks, Molotov cocktails, rocks, and so on. That's a lot different than 23 people charged with protesting. We cannot let them define what's going on. This is how they're getting away with teaching pornography 
to five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, and eleven year olds. It's got to end. We've got to stop it. They're in the process of completely gutting our society and replacing it with a radical new philosophy that I promise you, I don't think 10% of the population would want. Why do we let them get away with this? And I, I still would love to know why good Democrats remain silent about this and keep voting for these same radicals. The most radical wing has taken over the Democrat Party. They're not the Democratic. That's not a slip. That's not a slip up with me. They're the Democrat Party. Nothing Democratic about them. Just the opposite. Again, all part of bizarro world. Everything means the opposite of what it means. I saw this yesterday and I thought, and what I mean by I saw, I knew about this before, but I saw the White House respond, we don't know anything about this protest. And that just tells you everything you need to know. But they want to take away your gas stove and your gasoline car. I mean, it's it's it is it's next level craziness back in a moment don't go away 20 minutes past the hour on the hurley the morning program on south jersey's number one news talk radio station wpg talk radio 95.5 we have a very special event coming up in uh about 45 minutes we have the current fifth and incoming sixth presidents of stockton university on together in their first interview together here or anywhere that I'm aware of in this marketplace, Dr. Harvey Kesselman and Dr. Joe Bertolino, the number five and number six presidents of Stockton University. How cool is that? We have a great interview that's coming up next hour. Chuck Malamud at eight. Newkirk, Dr. Newkirk for half of the nine o'clock hour. And then we're going to visit with the um, ideal Institute of Technology. You probably know this about me, even though I'm a former school board member in public education. I'm an enormous fan. So is my father. I'm an enormous fan of trade or technical schools. Uh, I'm a big fan of the Atlanta County Institute of Technology. I'm becoming a big fan of the ideal Institute of Technology because there are many people that the traditional college and all of that. It just doesn't work for. And there's nothing wrong with that. Learning a trade, a building trade, uh, technology, skills. These are very, very important institutes of learning. We'll be talking about that to close out the program. Back in a little bit. Don't go away. It's early in the morning. Fox News commentary. Hold on to your angel wings. Victoria's Secret is bringing back their iconic fashion show. But will it be woke? I'm Tommy Laren. More next. A good work partner knows what you need before you need it. That's how it feels when you work with Cintas. Your dedicated Cintas service reps get to know your business and have the industry knowledge that can help you prepare for what's ahead. They'll deliver your team's workwear freshly laundered 
Make sure your first aid and safety supplies, mats, mops, and towels are stocked when you need them. And your fire extinguishers are inspected and in working order. Visit Cintas.com. Oh, I'm ready! And get ready for the workday. Over the last several years, Victoria's Secret executives seemingly forgot they are a woman's lingerie brand. The company has gone out of its way to go woke, first by nixing the iconic Victoria's Secret fashion show and then bringing in overweight and transgender models as a sign of inclusivity. It's been a giant flop for the brand, but maybe, just maybe, the execs are waking up to the woke joke. For the first time in four years, the brand announced the return of its iconic fashion show, though the company is still reimagining what it'll look like. Well, here's a hint. Bring back the angels, the wings, and the allure of what a lingerie brand is. Is it so wrong to have real women who look good in the product model the product? So what if it doesn't represent all body types? Does the NFL draft the least talented football players in an attempt to be more inclusive? That's a no. So bring back the real show or don't do it at all, Victoria's Secret. Go woke, go broke. I'm Tommy Laren. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and the WPG Talk Radio app. And we are back. It's 26 minutes past the hour. I forgot to mention this to you the other day. It was almost like Jack. um, No, not Jack. Uh, Gene Hackman, Lex Luthor in the Superman movie. He 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 had the full head of hair. Turns out it was a wig. uh, And then he is completely bald. When he's in prison. You got Alex Murdoch. Had a gentleman's haircut. Nice, you know, full head of hair. And the next day, because I I think that's kind of unusual, isn't it? The very next day they came back, the next morning. So it wasn't like there was really just hours had passed, not even a full day from the verdict uh, of him being guilty of murdering his wife and one of his sons to him returning at 930 a.m. I think it was 930 a.m. the very next morning to be sentenced and he was sentenced to consecutive life terms and you know that's that although i think he has i think he has a reasonable chance on appeal and i've heard all the um the smart people uh say what we said that they let in all this other stuff about his you know stealing money and these different things that had nothing to do with the case i i think there'll be a um an appellate court somewhere that is going to give him a new trial just remember where you heard that. But that really wasn't my um, my point here. I see him the next morning. It actually, it wasn't on tape because we're, we were on air live. But I see him not long after we signed off that morning and completely bald. So I don't know if that's um, uh, a prison requirement. You get shaved head, lice or whatever they check for, and you get your head shaved or if he wanted to just look tougher, I don't, I don't know. All I can tell you is, in in like fifteen hours or less, this guy went from a full head of hair to completely bald in an orange jumpsuit. Just thought I would point that out to you if you if you missed that. I didn't. All right. So the the infamous disinformation board. Remember. When Biden announced through Corrine Jean-Pierre, they were going to have a disinformation board. They were going to be the arbiters of what truth is. Could you imagine the most dishonest people we've ever had in positions like this? They were going to be able to control for let's let's face it. 
COVID-19 would have been a natural origin out of a wet market in China if their disinformation board. I, of course, couldn't help. I, I, whenever I hear these dystopian type of things, I always am mindful of what it reminds us of. For example, the Ministry of Truth in George Orwell's novel, 1984. This is what they were doing. They were they it lived. It died quickly. It was it was murdered by common sense and the will of the American people to not accept it. But they they literally put together a short lived disinformation governance board. Now, the chair of that board refused to voluntarily appear before the House Judiciary Committee. With everything they did, you would too. So she's been subpoenaed. Nina Jankowitz. Remember her? That whole appointment of this so-called writer and researcher, Nina Jankowitz, to the Disinformation Governance Board. Thank God the American people just completely rejected this idea. But they actually tried to get away with this. So Jankowitz is going to give closed-door testimony on April 10th, which I know that's more than a month from now. But with the way things go, you know that's going to go very, very quickly. Two other people have been subpoenaed by Jordan as well. And you have a couple of things going on, more than a couple, many things going on. You've got the weaponization of government probe that's going on and a whole bunch of other stuff. Now, you know, uh, this is not getting as much attention as it should. And we'll talk about this right after the break. But President Biden stopped Congress from having access. And I can tell you this is a former banker. These suspicious transaction reports. Very serious business. I heard James Comer at about four o'clock this morning live say these people never sleep. Some of these they're working very, very hard. I heard him say that the Biden family may have the all time record. It's somewhere between 150 and 200 suspicious cash transaction One hundred and fifty to two hundred appears to be the all time record. But Joe Biden is getting away for now of shielding from Congress. Cash transaction reports, suspicious transaction reports that could very well implicate him and his family in criminal activity. Can you I mean, you talk about the media would be going bananas if Trump did something like this. Yet Biden gets away with all of it. And and I'm telling you, go find someone who cares. It's it, it is amazing 
what they're getting away with. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. And this is Harry Hurley at 32 minutes past the hour with three stories that you can follow right now on the WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. The homeless and another fire under the boardwalk in Atlantic City. I think we're the only ones that have reported on it. Atlantic County Prosecutor's Office and the cockfighting that was going on in Buna. We've got an update there. And the awards just keep coming in. For Marty and Laquetta Small, we have the latest on the app. It's early in the morning. From the Townsquare, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zarrow. Well, today started somewhat wet and wintry. It's going to end windy. The sun comes out this morning. Wind gusts kick up to 30-plus miles an hour. We're cooling down today, high of 48 degrees this afternoon. A few clouds tonight with a low of 30. The wind chill's going to bite you. And then tomorrow, mostly sunny, still breezy, and staying dry for your Wednesday, high of 49. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Pro, pro. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. I am glad I just looked something up during the break because I had about five different guest listeners reach out to me. And all of them wrote very reasonable things. Uh, good friend of the program wrote that, you know, maybe he did it because he's now affiliated with a group to try to stay alive in prison and this kind of thing. Uh, no. That, 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 and I'm talking about Murdoch. And uh, as I've told you, he's called Murdoch and he's called Murdoch. I don't know which it is, but you know who I'm talking about. It turns out and the way my mind works, I will always look up something. If you have questions, I'll always take the time to try to get you the right answer. But I was curious. The way my mind works, if I see something, like I see a guy, and then 12 hours later or so, he's completely bald. So I didn't strain my brain on it, but I thought, all right, maybe it's standard operating procedure, and they just do that. I'll comment about that in a second. Uh, maybe it's a wig and we just didn't know it and then they make him take it off in prison. I thought of that. That's not what it was. Um, not even close. Uh, so here's the deal. He, it's, he didn't become part of the skinheads. He's he's not, you know, getting involved with it with a gang and, you know, to stay alive. And I mean, all good, reasonable. When I say good, I mean, it's a reasonable type of you know thought process you would think of like how this happened uh i mean i couldn't i couldn't help but notice it It, it, full head of hair little receding in the front but not really uh but completely bald hours later so it turns out that it's standard operating procedure you're in and boom they shave your head i don't know if that's just in the beginning and then you can grow it out a little bit uh I don't agree with that. You know, prisoners, no matter what they've done, you know, you don't have to dehumanize someone like that. Well, he killed people. Uh, Yeah, I think he did, too. But you you don't have to do that. I, I don't I don't approve of that. I don't agree with that. 
Now, I'm not going to do it for today's program, but I'm going to look further into it to see if it's if they do some kind of delousing or something and it's just part of that. And then you can grow it out. I I mean, I kind of suspect that. But um, that's what we know for now. This was welcome news because I've been calling for it and, and other measures just like it for years. We have lost elections now for about four or six years that we didn't need to lose in many cases. And that is because of ballot harvesting, uh, the other side doing a better job with vote by mail and early voting. Dick Morris came out and said yesterday that President Trump will use legal ballot harvesting to win. Quote, the most significant thing in the speech And I I caught this is that he firmly committed to a policy of doing what he can to win the election within the law, but following the playbook that the Democrats developed early voting, mail in voting, drop boxes, ballot harvesting and such. I've been screaming for this. Nothing criminal, but you cannot let the other side have this incredible advantage where you've got to catch up on one election day. The activities have been going on for months, weeks for sure, depending on the state. Quote, I will move heaven and earth to fully secure our elections, Trump said, calling on all Republican governors to immediately push for paper ballots, same-day voting, and voter identification. But until that day comes, Republicans must compete by using every lawful means to win. That means swamping the left with mail-in votes, early votes, and election day votes. Now, you know this. If Republicans did exactly what Democrats have been doing, the Democrats would be going bananas They would be uh, election deniers. They would be calling for criminal investigations and hearings and indictments and subpoenas. You know it. Quote, we have to change our thinking because some bad things happened. Early voting, you know this, early voting gave Fetterman the win over Mehmet Oz. Incidentally. No one even knows where Fetterman is. And this is all okay, you see, because he's a Democrat. There are people saying he died. I don't believe that. So Fetterman banked more than 600,000 more votes than Oz did by the time it was election day. Oz won election day, but couldn't make up the 600,000 votes. Fetterman went on to win the Senate seat, and that gave the Democrats the majority because it would have been 50-50. Quote, we can't let that kind of thing happen again, and Trump Firmly committed to the idea of early voting 
and the idea of going home to home with ballot boxes and doing voting there and mail-in ballots, all without fraud, but to beat the Democrats at their own game. That's Dick Morris. Well, you know. You know that I'm the author of this. I've been begging everybody that I know. And I couldn't understand it. They've got all this money. And they refused to change. Look, you can get surprised. Dominic Capella almost beat Bill Gormley. I honestly believe if they didn't do the registration authority, which made people sign a piece of paper that had a number on it, and people thought that they were tracking your vote and people were afraid, I truly believe it was that close. Capella could have or would have actually defeated Gormley. Gormley vowed, and it never happened again, he vowed to never get caught off guard ever again. I don't blame anybody for something like this that happens once. But I do blame them when it happened year after year after year after year after year after year, like six straight years. That can happen one time, and then you have to make an adjustment. When we come back from the break, the USDA is proposing something that I want to see if you agree or disagree. A special hour coming up. Kirk is going to be with us tomorrow. Today we will feature Dr. Harvey Kesselman and Dr. Joe Bertolino, the fifth and incoming sixth presidents of Stockton University together in the first interview that I'm aware of in this marketplace here on the Hurley in the Morning program. We've got great content. It's it's going to be very special. You're going to get to hear Dr. Joe Bertolino, which I think is going to be very, very cool. And, of course, Dr. Kesselman is always great. Chuck Malamut at 8, Dr. Newkirk for the first half of the 9 o'clock hour, and then we'll visit with the Ideal Institute of Technology in the second half of today's 9 o'clock hour. It's just a jam-packed Tuesday, no question about it. Here in the People's City Hall, the truth in broadcasting. This is... Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Ah, it's flying by here the first hour. It's 52 minutes past the hour. So see if you like this. I mean, it seems good to me, which if you follow my doctrine, the dishonesty of this administration, there's got to be something to this that we don't know. And I read this, and I read it again, and I read it a third time. Now, I I never give you 100% guarantee on anything, even this administration. But you will be right about 99.9% infinity, 99.99999. But could this be the, the one time that it's actually a good thing? So here's the story, although... I'm going to look further into this because I know that other countries are starting things with food and it will ultimately lead to less of it. And I smell something funny going on, but it's not here yet. But the United States Department of Agriculture 
is proposing a new rule that they introduced yesterday that will permit voluntary, quote, product of USA and made in USA labels on meat, poultry or eggs only if they come from animals that were born, raised, slaughtered and processed within the country. Now, I don't know that there is a need for the rule. I I thought they already do that. Don't you see this kind of thing all the time? If you go to a big box store and you look at the big bags of shrimp, for example, you will see if it's a product of the USA or if it's a product of Thailand or somewhere else, Vietnam, you'll see these different things. Sometimes it's a product of Vietnam and packaged in somewhere in America. I don't know what this is for. I don't mind it. I always love to see. I mean, I'm a big believer. For example, I'm really careful. I love seafood, but I'm very careful about seafood. And you can get a lot of this stuff that's from other countries. And I I just I just don't know, you know, their quality assurance and all these things. So I, I much rather prefer if you get a nice either plastic container or if it's in a metal container that's pasteurized of crab meat, for example, that it's from Louisiana or somewhere in America, as opposed to some of these foreign countries for reasons that that I mentioned a moment ago. So I don't know what this is. It's voluntary. I think they already can do it. They say that it's part of the White House's, quote, action plan for a fairer, more competitive, more resilient meat and poultry supply chain. Tom Vilsack, who you must almost never hear of, he's the agriculture secretary, said the proposed changes are intended to give American consumers the ability to make informed purchasing decisions by providing them with accurate information. I, I don't know if this is solving a problem that doesn't exist because I'm telling you, I look at labels. Before I purchase what I'm going to consume, I look at the labels. You can readily tell now, I'm not aware of any. There's like I, I'm not aware of any mystery meat out there that you don't know where it's been packaged or maybe you don't know exactly where it was slaughtered and processed and things like that. So I'm just wondering if if this is a solution to a problem that does not exist or is this the beginning of something that we don't know, that there could be something that would come down the road that all of a sudden you say, oh, that product of USA label now, now I get it. So I'm not sure. All I can tell you is that it's only hours old. It was proposed yesterday. My initial uh, predisposed bias is that I like it. But I'm not sure that it, it mostly appears to exist already. I mean, you know, if you see um, eggs, for example, and I had someone tell me the other day, you know, hey, why are some brown some eggs are brown and some are white. It's uh, it's not like they turn white in the pasteurizing or something. I mean, you know, it's pretty pretty simple. Brown brown chickens have brown eggs. Uh, it's really it's really that simple. But you can usually see on the label where they came from. Same on the poultry. 
same on the beef. You'll know if it's if it's Texas, if it's Kansas City. I mean, you'll know. So I want to be for it. And I, I think I'm going to take the position that I'm for it before I could be against it. I can't be against it because there's not enough information and the limited information that there is. I think it's a good thing. And I'd like us to get on a push to buy American anyhow, wherever we can. And we, we should make these chips that, that are running so short around the world where I don't think people realize you take an electric car, for example, there are thousands of chips in these cars. In a, in, in a normal uh, combustion engine, gasoline-powered car, it's many hundreds of chips. You might remember at the peak of the supply chain disaster during COVID-19, they actually got to the point where they were delivering cars without certain features working. And then you had like a WIO type program where you'd be able to go back and they would install the chip when they had it, but that the car mostly worked and it worked in all the different safety areas. Some of the um, creature comfort things would be disabled until such time that you would have all the chips. I mean, it was that 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 much of a problem. But if I know we're under construction now with some chip facilities right here in America, if we can get into the business. Remember, we used to make all the TVs. We used to make all the radios. We used to make all of this until we didn't. And if we can get back into that, I know it sounds a little bit back to the future, but if we can get back into that, then all this stuff, I mean, for example, don't you think it's crazy when you buy an American flag and it says made in China and sometimes it's missing like some of the stars? I mean, because somebody made it that you know didn't care that there was the appropriate number of states represented and so on. Uh, so we fly a flag at our home and I, I know there's a company, Allegiance, that makes very, very nice flags right here in America. You got to go for something like that. I think you got to have a tag on that flag that says made in the USA. Very exciting hour. We have the fifth and soon sixth presidents of Stockton University. It's very exciting. Next, it's early in the morning. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is six minutes past the hour. Thanks for waking up early in the morning. And full disclosure, I've really been looking forward to this interview. It's very special because it isn't often you have the current and then the future president of your university uh, here at the same time together appearing in a joint appearance and following the results of a national search, the Stockton University, New Jersey Board of Trustees has selected Dr. Joe Bertolino to become the next president of Stockton University. It's uh, going to take place on July 1st so that, you know, what Stockton University does, they, they always do well. They looked everywhere. They picked the best person and they do the right thing in terms of transition uh, planning in terms of the fact that the current president is there. The new president is named 
and what an opportunity to really ensure that there is a um, a great transition that will be done. What I'm going to do is welcome Dr. Harvey Kesselman, the fifth president of Stockton University in its history and the incoming sixth president, Dr. Joe Bertolino, uh, and say good morning to both gentlemen and give Dr. Kesselman the opportunity to properly introduce Dr. Bertolino. So, uh, Dr. Kesselman, if you would do the honors. Sure. I'm glad to. It's an honor and privilege to be able to introduce to your audience, Harry, uh, the sixth president of Stockton University, Dr. Joe Bertolino. Uh, let me tell you a little bit about Joe. Uh, he'll tell you about his, his not only native New Jersey roots, but also his connection to, to Stockton, which is an extraordinary story. But let me tell you a little bit about Joe. Uh, he's been president uh, for the last seven years at Southern Connecticut State University. He's been an extraordinary president there, very successful. And prior to that, was a president at Linden State College in Vermont. Uh, he has extensive experience in college level, uh, student affairs, enrollment management, academic affairs. He went to the Harvard University's Institute for Education Management. Um, his doctoral degree is from the Ivy League School, Columbia University. He has an MSW at Ruck from Rutgers and a BS from the University of Scranton. This national search that you alluded to, and I really want to talk to, to provide the context, uh, this was done, we hired arguably the best search firm in the country for higher education presidential searches. We had an extraordinary pool of candidates. This is unbelievable. We had 12 sitting or former presidents slash chancellors who applied for the position. The three finalists were presidents, sitting presidents, or former chancellor, and Joe was the winner. So with no further ado, I'd like to formally present to you, as I did, pass the baton to your audience from me to Dr. Joe Bertolino. Good morning, doctor. Good morning. Thank you. Good morning. Good morning, Harvey. Good morning, Harry. How are you? Very well. Congratulations on your appointment. Uh, tell us about your... Um, your level of enthusiasm about being the next incoming president of Stockton University. Well, thank, thanks so much. So excited, so excited to find my way uh, back to South Jersey. I'm actually a South Jersey boy, born and raised. I grew up in Glendora, New Jersey, uh, exit three off the turnpike, as they say. And um, I have to share with you that my mother is an alum of, of Stockton. She graduated in 1977 um, with her bachelor's degree. She was an RN at Cooper Hospital and decided to go back to school as a non-traditional student. So the opportunity for me to return to South Jersey, uh, to be home with my family, is, is thrilling. And, and to say, um, I can't say enough about Stockton. It's an incredible university. There's so much to talk about today, and I'm, I'm really looking forward to this conversation. Dr. Bertolino, let me share with you a personal comment, uh, because I knew that your mom was a graduate of Stockton University, and I wrote that in the article that I wrote about you coming in. What I didn't know was that your mom was an RN. My wife Margie and I, our middle daughter Lauren, got her uh, RNBSN at Stockton University in their first nursing class, which Dr. Kesselman is, is well aware of. Uh, my mother-in-law was a nurse for over 50 years. My sister-in-law is a nurse. My son-in-law is a nurse practitioner. Uh, so we, um, we're, I'm a nurse dad is what I'm trying to tell you. And you're, you're, you're a nurse son. Uh, so that's that, that's, it's yeah. very, very cool. And I would imagine, I don't know if we could just 
throw this out here as sort of a principle of accounting uh, that seems logical to me. You had everything that impressed the board of trustees that you were the one. And I would have to think that you knowing the area, living in the area, your mom being a graduate. Harvey, that didn't hurt Joe, did it? Of course not. I mean, the fact that he was so naturally fit back in uh, was was perfect. Uh, He also, I mean, he comes with a lot of the philosophies that you'll see. I mean, he students first. Uh, every single picture you'll see of him, if you go on a website, look in Southern Connecticut, he's with students. He's committed to many of the things we've been articulating uh, over the last eight years, uh, and I could not be more thrilled. You know, your job, and, and Joe's heard me say, is to make the degree more valuable each day. I think we've done that, and now it's time to pass it over to someone who I know uh, has the energy, enthusiasm, and commitment to continue uh, moving the institution in the direction we have uh, been able to uh, do over the last eight years as you know joe sometimes and i'm calling joe joe because he asked me i called him dr bertolino when we first met and he said please call me joe uh so that that tells me a lot about dr bertolino right away uh so i'll say joe just to honor your wish because i want to call you doctor joe in terms of having the current president still there and and we have talked about this before we knew about you, Joe, Harvey's going to be there uh, after the fact uh, in a role. How how helpful is that for you as the incoming president to have someone like Harvey still there and still around? Well, one of the reasons that I applied was because of Harvey, quite frankly. Um, I was familiar with his work. I was familiar with Stockton's work um, and, and the level of um, expertise and what he has brought with presidency at Stockton has just been amazing. Um, it, it, it's really the growth and the expansion and just the the level of excellence at Stockton, particularly over the course of the last decade, has just been extraordinary. So there's a lot to celebrate there. So that in and of itself um, was a, a, a reason to throw my hat in the ring. Um, there's been a lot of success at Stockton. Who wouldn't want to be a part of that? Um, and, and when you're a sitting president, I think those are things that you consider um, when applying for a, another presidency. Um, the fact that Harvey <laughs> Harvey will be uh, around the corner, so to speak, or, 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 or down the street in Atlantic City is thrilling to me. He and I have had the opportunity to know each other a little bit in the past, but, but more so in the last several weeks. And I anticipate that we're going to be having a lot of conversations over the course of the next uh, three or four months. And even when I arrive, um, I'm not shy. So, and I know Harvey isn't either. So it'll be great to have an opportunity to pick up the phone and, and share experiences and seek counsel and advice. I think presidents always want to seek the counsel and advice of other successful presidents. And Harvey has certainly been one of those. What a great answer. We're going to be right back. It's 15 minutes past the hour. We are visiting with the fifth president in the history of Stockton University, Dr. Harvey Kesselman, and the incoming sixth president of Stockton University, Dr. Joe Bertolino. It's the Hurley in the Morning program. We'll be back in just a moment. Did you know New Jersey's proposed energy master plan is going to cost $1.4 trillion of your money? It's nearly $150,000 per person 
to electrify all of your home appliances, pay the bill for public EV charges, stop the sale of gas cars and trucks, and put our electric grid on unreliable footings. Join Affordable Energy for New Jersey as we advocate for common sense energy policy and solutions that actually will work for South Jersey. Learn more about the state's proposed policies at njaffordableenergy.org. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. Here's my friend, Sean Hannity. Waking up on the right side. This is the Sean Hannity Morning Minute. Joe Biden was out there. I'm going to raise your taxes. And then the rest of it is uh, not if you make under $400,000 a year. However, he didn't say that as of January 1st this year, he raised taxes on oil, gas, and coal to the tune of, of hundreds of billions of dollars and pensions and corporations, $225 billion, I believe. And all of that impacts, you know, if you tax oil, gas, and coal, if you tax pensions, if you tax corporations, again, corporations will pass the cost on to consumers. So he raised taxes on all of us. Then he's back telling us he's not going to raise taxes on people that make less than $400,000 a year. From coast to coast, from sea to shining sea, it's the Sean Hannity Show. Hey, this year you can finally get started on that home makeover that you deserve. Now you can upgrade to sleek new window coverings thanks to our friends at Blinds.com. Right now, save up to 40% off site-wide on premium custom window treatments. And if you need help in your selection, well, talk to a Blinds.com professional design expert. Shop Blinds.com right now and save up to 40% off site-wide, up to 40% off at Blinds.com. Rules and restrictions may apply. Finding great candidates to hire can be like, well, trying to find a needle in a haystack, but not with ZipRecruiter. Its powerful technology actively finds and invites qualified candidates to apply to your job. So while other companies might deliver a lot of hay, ZipRecruiter finds you the needle in the haystack. See why four out of five employers who post a job on ZipRecruiter get a quality candidate within the first day. Try ZipRecruiter for free at ZipRecruiter.com slash free. That's ZipRecruiter.com slash free. Hi, it's Mark Levin. Join me this evening at 6. Now back to Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 FM, 1450 AM. South Jersey's talk station. Thank you, and we are South Jersey's number one news talk radio station. That's all because of you, and we know it, and we thank you for it. What a privilege. I really consider this as a broadcaster. It's a privilege for me to present both the current president and the near-term future president. So presidents number five and six, you know, it's like president 45, 46. Uh, it's pretty cool. Dr. Harvey Kesselman and Dr. Joe Bertolino. Dr. Kesselman, let me turn it over to you because a very special day at Stockton University yesterday with the former governor of California, Arnold Schwarzenegger, uh, gracing your presence and that of your um your student body. Tell us about yesterday, Harvey. Yeah, and thanks to our trustee, Dr. Nancy Davis, whose son uh, oversees the uh, Schwarzenegger Policy Institute at the University of Southern California, we were able to get Arnold Schwarzenegger to come to Stockton. Seriously, uh, Harry and Joe, I know you were up in Southern Connecticut, you have to handle that transition, but this was one of the most memorable moments in Stockton's history. I say that un- unabashedly. Uh, I've never seen, in, in my entire career there, which is the entire history of the institution, 
of our students waiting five hours outside in line to listen to a talk. The standing room crowd, there were more than 650 people, mostly students and community members that were, they were absolutely pumped up and boisterous when he entered and when he exited, but when he spoke, and it was an incredibly powerful speak, uh, a speech on tolerance um, and to terminate hate in our in our world. When he spoke, you could hear a pin drop in that room of 660. He was uh, extraordinarily charismatic. Um, and remember, he's one of the most known figures on the planet. And to have him at the university uh, was was amazing. Our students, I, I'm telling you, other than like an old rock concert or something like that, I've never seen our students this pump up ever for a speaker uh and it was it was a great event all the way around amazing event i'm not surprised i mean you had an a-list hollywood actor you know action film hero uh terminator and countless numbers of movies and also the former governor of california so i i think it's a what they call in the business that's what you call a great get Yep. Well, it was a great get. And you know what? I did not realize, and I think many of us, you know, in the administration and the faculty staff didn't realize how much students really, really, he's connected to every different generation. That's what was so incredible about it. Uh, and they were boisterous. It, it was, it was really fun. A lot of, and he, he wasn't going to stay nearly as long as he did. I think he fell in love with the place. Uh, the people who came with him were terrific. Uh, it was just a, it was a wonderful day. And the weather, of course, was absolutely fabulous. So you couldn't, you couldn't have gotten a better event so I, I, i'm thrilled for second i'm really happy uh joe sorry to say this but i'm happy this one happened on my watch <laughs> you have to you're gonna have to top that down the road <laughs> but um but it was it was really really great outstanding one other item that's very important and then we'll get back to the dr joe bertolino era coming uh very very soon to stockton university we're visiting right now if you're just joining the program with dr harvey kesselman the current president of Stockton University and Dr. Joe Bertolino, the incoming sixth president in Stockton University's history, who begins on July 1st. So it really is. I mean, this is the way things go anymore. I mean, we're already getting through March. It's going to be here uh, before you know it. And I know that you obviously, Joe, have a lot that you have to do in terms of finishing up uh, what you're doing now and transitioning to Stockton. So we, we wish you well with all that. And we'll be here to support you with everything that we can here on our program. One other uh, shop item, and it's important because for the second year in a row, and this is not anything new, they, they've had great success, both the men and the women in Stockton University history in men's basketball and women's basketball. This is the men's basketball team that's in the NCAA Division Three National Basketball Tournament. And it's always a, a, a huge goal because not only does it sound good, it is good. And it shows, you know, the culmination of a great season and a great team. The coveted Sweet 16 round for the second consecutive year, the Stockton Ospreys. Harvey, please comment. Yeah, this is really exciting. And, and they... Um you know, they had to defeat a really, really tough Mary Washington team to get to where they were. Um, and now on Friday night at Swarthmore College, it's hosting. Uh, we're, the, 
the Sweet 16. Uh, we'll be playing Nichols University at 415 on Friday afternoon, and Swarthmore will be playing Keene State. The winner of that one goes to the Elite Eight. Those two games goes to the Elite Eight. Uh, we've had an incredibly solid team. People don't realize, but our team, uh, the Ospreys, played the seventh, seventh toughest schedule in the United States for Division Three. So they are, you know, they are a playoff type team. Uh, they had to play off, you know, play playoff type ball for a good portion of the year. Uh, Scott Bittner, who had to follow a legend, Jerry Matthews, has done a great job with the team. Um, they had to, they had to overcome the, the passing of Hutch, their coach, uh, who who really really was was difficult for them. Um, but but they've they've bonded together and they're moving forward. I'd also like I've got to shout out my buddy Ali Hushman at Rowan, his team, which won the NJAC this year. Last year we took three from them and won the NJAC and went on. Uh, this last year that you know this year they took three from us. They're also in the um, Sweet 16, and it could be, and we're, and we're going to have a, a big surprise because, you know, he bet the hot sauce and I bet the syrup uh, for, for the for the NJAC game. <laughs> but we're going to, if we both, the only way we can play one another is in the national championship, and we would fly out there together. I'm going to tell you that right now. We'll go together and have we'll have the hot sauce and syrup on the plane if need be. Well, that would be exciting, and as you know, when you commented on it, you get rewarded in the tournament. Uh, for your strength of schedule. When they're picking the teams that get at-large bids and things like that, they look for teams that have played a tough schedule. And Stockton has always been very, very smart about playing a tough schedule because that's also it's a favorable item that they consider in selection, but also it prepares you for the tournament. When you're a team exactly. that's, that's this historically successful, you're playing the regular season and all that other stuff to get ready for the tournament. And Stockton is playing, I believe, their best basketball during the tournament. And that's what great teams typically do. They, they try it's hard, but you try to peak uh, for the tournament. Joe, let me ask you, uh, as incoming president, I think it's important for, for your folks sure. who are listening right now to get a feel for your philosophy of, of governance, if you will. What's your philosophy regarding extra and co-curricular activities, sports and so on? Well, they're key. I, I come from a student affairs background, so most of my experience prior to being president um, beyond the classroom was really focused on providing students with opportunities outside of the classroom and the holistic experience. I mean, let's be honest. Um, it, it, any college experience is not only what happens in the classroom, but essentially Everything surrounding that experience, which uh, I think helps to develop students in a, in a broader way. So clubs, organizations, athletics. In fact, athletes tend to be some of our best students and some of our hardest working students because of the rigorous schedule. So um, the more students are involved, ultimately, the better, whether that's in athletics, whether that's in clubs and organizations, whether that's in um, academic areas of the institution, research and the like. So, um, yeah, from my perspective, uh, it's critical to a student's development and to their success. We're going to be right back. Outstanding. That's a really important uh, question and an even better answer. You're listening to Dr. Harvey Kesselman and Dr. Joe Bertolino, the current and immediate future president of Stockton University here in a joint interview, which I am thoroughly, 
thoroughly impressed with and, and enjoying immensely. We'll be back in just a moment. It's early in the morning, part of WPG Talk Radio, 95.5 South Jersey's number one news talk radio station, all because of you, and we know it. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. It's Harry Hurley with Doctors Kesselman and Bertolino with three stories you can follow right now on the uh, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 app. The homeless and another fire under the boardwalk in Atlantic City. We have all the details up on the website and the app. The Atlantic County Prosecutor's Office not only arrested people for all that illegal fighting that was going on, but they have rehomed, helped with various partners rehome hundreds of animals. And the awards keep coming for Marty and Lacoste. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. The main body of our compact overnight storm system has already shifted off the coast. We could see a lingering shower over the next hour or two. Temperatures mainly in the 40s to start the day. This afternoon's high temperature, 48. The big story going forward will be the wind gusting over 30 miles an hour. A few clouds and chilly tonight, low of 30. Mostly sunny, breezy and dry tomorrow. High improves to 49. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. Healthy Life. WPG Talk Radio 95.5, South Jersey's number one talk station. Thank you. We're back. We continue our wide-ranging interview with Dr. Harvey Kesselman and Dr. Joe Bertolino, the current and the, as of July 1st, the sixth president in Stockton University's history, Dr. Joe Bertolino, uh, in a very special joint appearance, which um, I'm getting wonderful comments from listeners and Stockton alumni and people that are really enjoying hearing from both the present and the immediate future. So it's very, very exciting. Dr. Bertolino, let me uh, pose the next question to you. Then Harvey Kesselman will have the next question and comment for you and for the uh, for the floor. In terms of when you saw the Stockton University Atlantic City campus, what what were your thoughts about that? I wanted to move there. <laughs> so did I. <laughs> <laughs> it's spectacular. It's spectacular. Um, the residence halls are um, beachfront property, if you will, million-dollar views, just a, an extraordinary facility. And the campus and academic center uh, where classes take place and uh, where campus life uh, exists is just really a really well-thought-out um, uh, series of, uh, uh, of buildings that, like Stockton, I, I think connect the in-classroom experience with the out-of-classroom experience. It's interdisciplinary in its own right. It, it really is extraordinary to see. And uh, as you know, Stockton is the anchor institution uh, for South Jersey and for Atlantic City. And so this is a part of, of Stockton's future. Um, I think it's a part of our uh, commitment uh, to uh, the people of South Jersey and to the people of Atlantic City. Um, it, it's it's just thrilling, and I, I'm I'm honored and excited to be part of the next phase of this. I, I think we're going to continue to do great things. So if people haven't seen it, they should come and visit. 
um, and, and see it for yourself. I, I think you will be duly impressed. Truly breathtaking. I mean, it's it's not a college dorm setting. It's 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 like a, a elite condominium, first you know rate condominium with the ocean view. It's really extraordinary. Harvey, your thoughts or anything you want to talk about next? Well, yeah, I'd like to continue to talk about, uh, about Atlantic City. And, and what, you know, obviously on May 3rd, we will have the ribbon cutting on the second set of dormitories. And we're really, really excited about that. Um, and we'd like, you know, it, it's very critical uh, to this region that we keep the momentum um, that we started in expanding our footprint in Atlantic City. Obviously, uh, we will need, uh, you know, the support of the state to make that happen. One of the things that was very attractive about Joe uh, and is attractive about Joe is that having worked in the public uh, higher education sector, uh, having worked in unionized environments, having had to work with legislators to get funding for his school at Southern Connecticut State, uh, he's very experienced in this. So I don't see any drop-off whatsoever. I think what he did, um, he impressed the Board of Trustees, and I would be remiss if I did not. I mean, uh, you know, just shout out our Board of Trustees and the search committee itself. I don't think people realize they worked on this eight months okay going through you know 80 some applications very talented people uh whittling it down to 12 interviewing them um and then whittling it down to three and going through all of that so they were looking if you read the ad and uh, that's what i've said to people uh, who's when when we hadn't announced or anything like that who's going to win i said if you read the ad carefully you'll know who's the winner is going to be joe's joe rep we're looking for and as you can just tell by the interview this was not a rehearsed show we just didn't you know he was just <laughs> announced last week um it, there's there's obviously continuity with respect to where he wants to take us and he's very very knowledgeable one of the things that's also attractive uh we're both students of higher education both of, uh, both of us have doctoral degrees in higher education and we're students of it uh and so we look for the trends in the future and i i know he looks for those kinds of things uh, and and he's certainly press the board uh the search committee and everyone else a follow-up to harvey and then and then a comment from from joe as well i'm not leaving out your footprint extends beyond galloway and atlantic city but i want to say in terms of galloway and atlantic city how well harvey do you believe they both serve stockton university how how do they complement each other well, look, just just like Galloway, we we built horizontally in Galloway, and we we're building horizontally in Atlantic City, and by that means we're part of the community. We're not towering above the community and being distanced from the community or being territorial with the community. We're part of the community, both of the entities. And right now, you know, we just moved from you know this a regional comprehensive university to national university status. So we're we're in the big leagues, uh, and and that that's that's an important weight on our shoulders, but it ones that sets a you know, sets the benchmark upon which we will measure ourselves. And that's another thing that I'm excited about having um, Joe is because this is not a rookie. Co- <laughs> this is this is an experienced president we're getting in the region. And that that's a home run. That's a home run. What's your Joe? What's your initial thought about knowing? And I, as I said to Harvey, I know you have, you know, your footprint is beyond just Galloway and Atlantic mm-hmm. City. Stockton is elsewhere, and we, we've we've interviewed, interviewed Harvey at length about the the other areas where, where Stockton, you know, has presence. But in terms of Galloway and Atlantic City, as you look at it coming in, 
What does that tell you about Stockton University, that it has certain things going on in the Galloway uh, campus and things going on in, in Atlantic City? I think that makes this a very unique uh, university, doesn't it? Uh, it, it does. I also think it, it clearly sends the message that Stockton is in and of the community, and that's important. I think that public regional universities like Stockton, we, we have, and I lead a public regional university, we have a moral responsibility to serve the community in which we live and also to ensure that we are preparing students to be good citizens who will live and stay in the community after they graduate. And so um, what, what I particularly find appealing about Galloway and Atlantic City is that they, they complement each other quite well. Here you have an opportunity to serve a rural suburban campus and an urban campus. And that is highly unusual um, in higher education to be able to provide opportunities for students and experiences for students um, in both of those areas or from both of those types of, of, of campus venues. So from my perspective, uh, this is a home run. And Harvey, by the way, is, is um, he's being modest. I think I should point out that uh, one of the new uh, residence halls at uh, on the Atlantic City campus um, during the ribbon cutting has been named after Harvey. So uh, uh, a recognition uh, that is well-deserved. That's a great comment. We're going to be right back 44 minutes past the hour. One more power segment straight ahead. We'll have just under 10 minutes uninterrupted with the fifth and sixth presidents of Stockton University. I think that's also worthy of a comment. If over a half a century, there's only been six, and six hasn't started yet even, I think that's pretty unusual. That means that there's very few people that have ever held this position, and certainly Stockton is the biggest and the best that it's ever been at the point that Joe Bertolino is taking over. Uh, What a great opportunity all the way around. We'll be back with... Our uh, focus on Stockton University and Dr. Harvey Kesselman and Dr. Joe Bertolino right after this. It's early in the morning. If you love South Jersey's talk station, then the WPG Talk Radio app is a must-have on your phone. Listen to all your favorite talk shows around the clock and instantly call them with just the tap of your finger. Text the WPG Talk Radio studio. Send us your pictures and videos of breaking news and more. It's the WPG Talk Radio app, a free download from South Jersey's talk station. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hi, it's Markley and Van Camp. Join us later today at 1. Now back to Hurley in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's talk station. Harvey, I said something right before the uh, last segment ended about in the entire history of Stockton, very few people have held the title of president. Uh, I'm not sure you, you and Joe would know better than I, but uh, this is something this position only comes around Every so often, it seems. Well, yeah, I, I think 
the tenure, the average tenure of presidents now in the United States has actually declined the, the, the number of years. It just really has yeah. for a, a multitude of reasons that you and I have actually spoken about in the past. But it's stocked and it has been pretty unique. I mean, we've only really had one short term president. By that, I mean like eight years or less. Yes. I mean, less than eight years. OK. And that was the, the, the um, second president, Peter Mitchell, who, uh, who, you know, a lot of people don't really remember, but he was a transformational president. We were going from one type of school to another and it's just it was it was it was a little rocky but but the founding president was eight or nine years of course i'm eight years vera was 20 years yes. uh that that doesn't happen anymore herman was like 12 years so i mean we've had it, it it's not frequent uh we've had great stability in the presidency overall in the, in the course of our history uh and that's been a good thing part of that is because we also have stability in our board we had people like michael jacobson who was on our board for 20 30 years i mean so that's a long when, when you have that kind of stability at the top, it makes it easier uh, for the leaders, quite frankly. And right now, uh, we're in our best fiscal condition uh, we've ever been in. I would say a whole many things that we've ever been in, but that is not the case even around this state. There are some of the schools in this state that are going through serious problems financially and the like, and, and that's not good for, for higher ed. So we're, one of the things I, I hope to focus on, uh, you know, when I'm no longer this, you know, the sitting president of Stockton is some policy issues in the state working with the legislature, because um, they've already reached out on that front, uh, on the future of funding in higher education and things of that nature. Not, not just Stockton, but all of higher education in New Jersey. Joe, any comment about that? And then I have a follow-up. Um, yeah, Harvey's right. The, the truth of the matter is, is that the presidency has become more complicated and it's gotten a bit more challenging over the years. I think the average now is less than five years, mm. maybe closer to three or four. Yeah. Um, however, my, my hope is that this is my last stop and that I'll be able to uh, uh, spend a, 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 a nice long tenure with Stockton. The follow-up isn't directly related to that, but it is certainly related to the finances because there's, as an old school board member myself, you need a certain amount of money in order to deliver thorough and efficient education. And Stockton University, Joe, as you know, is enjoying the most funding it's ever received. I give Dr. Kesselman a lot of credit because he is masterful in terms of managing both up and down and also with his rapport with uh, legislators around the state. I have to give Senator Vince Palestina a big, big, um, you know, debt of gratitude in terms of his effort of working across party lines with Governor Murphy and Stockton University. I think you'll both back me up on this, received the most funding it's ever received. Harvey, because you're there now and Joe, a comment prospectively coming in. What are your hopes, your thoughts going forward because just because you got it once doesn't mean you keep it forever i mean it's 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 always something that you have to masterfully work to justify and and i'll just say this i can say it i'm not an employee of the university or anything i have no conflict uh, whatsoever in saying this or i feel no fear in saying it i felt stockton got the short end for many many years in terms of state funding and this and uh, and governor murphy is a is a good friend of mine Joe and we talked pretty regularly and and I thanked him and congratulated him for properly funding Stockton unlike any other governor before him. Harvey, if you have any problem with anything I just said, uh time is yours. 
No, none whatsoever. And listen, Vince's, uh, Senator Palestina has been terrific. Um, look, we've had bipartisan support. You have to. Uh, one of the things, and I, you've heard me say this before, and Joe, Joe, I think heard me say it once. You know, we're in charge of the bluest entity and the reddest part of the bluest state. And so you must work both sides of the aisle, and you must be vigilant because legislators change. So you have to educate them about what you have here. One of the great advantages of having our um, institution in Atlantic City is a lot of legislators visit Atlantic City for other reasons, okay? And then we, what we try to do is make sure they come to the campus and see what we have to offer. But you've got to work. One of the things, and Joe knows this, and Joe has to do it up in Connecticut, you have to work the whole state, uh, not just your local. Our local legislators and the county and the city uh, have been phenomenal. They have, you know, Blanket support of Stockton, but you've got to work. You've got to work with the governor's office. You have to work with uh, legislators from throughout New Jersey. The key is to bring them so they can see Galloway, and then what Joe, you know, so uh, accurately stated about you know just the differences, but the similarities between the two campuses. And they, when they do, and they see it, then they say, "Oh, this is what we're investing the money in." So yes, but you must be vigilant. It has to be every year. You can't let your foot off the gas pedal, or somebody else will come in and and try to get that appropriation from you. Joe, in the two minutes that we have, and I would love to visit with you uh, in the future when your time permits, I was thinking about how it appears to me that what used to be four years, you had your BA, your BS, now almost seems like it's five years. Did something happen that what used to be able to be done comfortably in four years, suddenly it takes longer than four years? Did something happen? Uh, well, yes, it, in, it is not unusual for students to take five years and maybe perhaps sometimes longer. But yep. life happens, quite frankly, and, um, and, and, and times have changed. Most of our students, the students that we serve, uh, most of them tend to work. Uh, they have other responsibilities. They're engaged with, with families and, and, uh, and serve uh, in community roles, et cetera. So... It's just not unusual for students to take their time to find their way and to eventually land where they need to land. Um, I think that's a I think that's a given. We certainly want to provide opportunities for students to uh, fast track, if you will, uh, their degree program by providing as much flexibility as possible. For some students, that means trying to complete a degree in three years while also balancing life and work. Um, But it's important for students to have options and for institutions to be flexible. So whether it's three, four, or five years, the opportunities are there and the students have choices, which helps to ensure that that they're going to be successful. And I'll just add about Harvey's previous question. Um, He's right. Uh, The complexities of building relationships across the state is critical because the students who will graduate from Stockton, again, will live and work in the state uh, for decades to come. Relationships matter, and we're in the people and the relationship business. And my hope is that as I come on board, we'll build some great relationships and continue the good work that Harvey and his team have started. Harvey, strict 30 seconds. Give us a closing comment on the hiring of Dr. Joe Bertolino. 
You know, one of the things I envisioned when I became the president, and I said this, is that I would do, I would be a president for eight years because George Washington got it right, and I wanted to pass the baton onto someone that I had absolute 1,000% confidence would take us to the highest level. I think I've been successful on both fronts, my friend. I've thoroughly enjoyed this. Uh, welcome, Dr. Joe Bertolino. Wish you great success. When you succeed, we all succeed. Uh, I've enjoyed our time together, and I hope it's the first of many appearances that we'll be able to do together. Thank you very much. You're welcome. And Harvey, thank you. See you soon, Joe. See you soon, Joe. I love it. Party line there. See you guys. Chuck Malamut joining us next. ETG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you very much and welcome back. It's six minutes past the hour. The following program is presented and paid for by Chuck Malamud, a financial advisor at Morgan Stanley. The information, views, and opinions expressed are those of Chuck Malamut and do not necessarily reflect those of Morgan Stanley or its affiliates. They are current as of the date of this broadcast and are subject to change without notice. Neither the information provided nor any opinion expressed herein constitutes a solicitation for the purchase or sale of any security. This presentation is for informational purposes only. Morgan Stanley, Smith Barney, member SIPC, Chuck Malamut. Welcome to your program. Good morning, Harry. How are you today? Great hour in the 7 o'clock hour. Be tough to follow, but I'm gonna, we're going to do our best. You, you, you can do it, Chuck. And thank you for saying that because that is unique and special to have the current and now future, as of July 1st, president of Stock University together in a joint interview. That was very uh, unique and very special. Yeah. Good catch. Congrats. Thank you. So um, let's talk a little about the markets, if it's okay with you. Letting, Market update. Uh, last week, Harry, the S&P did gain almost 2%. Uh, and so we closed the books for the month of February. Not a great month, and we'll get into that uh, a little bit later in our in our talk today. The indications that were given as we got to the end of you know last week is what's happening with respect to the economies, not only here in the U.S. but you know also overseas. Um, you know, February followed January. Obviously, January was a risk on. February was a risk off. And, uh, you know, the market last week did, in fact, price in some sustained inflation. We'll chat a little bit about that as well, Harry, and what the Fed is doing with respect to how they're going to end up uh, combating, you know, that inflation. It seems to be, as they refer to, oftentimes very, very sticky right now. Uh, The dollar did decline as well. Or I'm sorry, the dollar rallied as well. Good first time uh in a long time it was actually down about 11 percent and then it rallied back i mean you know think about down 11 percent from september of last year to where we are just last week you know the consumer you know demand harry uh as measured by the conference board came in uh well below estimates this past tuesday and home prices declined you know for the six six straight months and that's in the market not in this area 
Yeah, well, I know you're talking. Uh, yeah, you have to talk nationally, right? right. So when you kind of put it, you know, put it all together, S and P up one point nine six percent last week. The Dow up one point eight five. The the Nasdaq, the winner, up two point six one. Uh, international up one point eight. So year to date, S and P up five point seven percent. This is as of Friday, Harry. Dow up one point two percent year to date. Nasdaq up almost twelve. And international stocks are up about seven. Best uh, best sectors year to date, Harry, continue to be the ones that did not work last year. Consumer discretionary, interesting. Information technology, communication services up anywhere from twelve to thirteen and a half percent. On the flip side, utilities uh, worst performer down six percent year to date. Healthcare down five, and consumer staples down about three now. You say, well, why would utilities be down? And he, so the bottom line, Harry, as you know, right now, when you can go get uh, close to four and a half, five percent on basically, you know, risk. I don't say t- totally riskless, but you know, very, very, for the most part, risk-free returns. Uh, utilities have to compete with that. You know, used used to buy utility stock because of the dividend. If you can go. Get that same return in, in buying a short-term piece of paper because that's what the Fed has done with these rates. That's why utilities are down, you know, year to date. Chuck, it's not on today's agenda, but I just want to bring it up in case you know something I don't know. Gasoline prices had been coming down. It was really going very, very well. And we've talked about that aspect. But in the past two days, two price increases up 15 cents a gallon. Yeah, I think, in two Harry, days. you know, if you look at the price of the crude and you look at the price of the pump, uh, you know, they have they have been coming down. Uh, but it, it, at the, you know, think about it. Think about it from this perspective. A year ago, Harry, the price of crude oil, you know, domestic, hundred almost $108 a barrel. You know, we closed out the week at just shy of 80. So, you know, you made that big, remember you made that big move mm-hmm. Where you know crude almost doubled, uh, and then it's since sold off in the last year. But I think that just might you know supply demand. I don't know when they make the change, Harry, from the winter to the spring as far as the, the blends summer. and all that stuff. I mean, there might be something to do with that. But I did notice the same thing as well. I mean, over the weekend, you know, the the prices were and some uh, stations were close to three. I know. And now they're back to three ten, three fifteen, three nineteen. Yeah, so you know that's that just might be a supply demand issue okay. here. Now you never talk. You I shouldn't say you never. You rarely talk about any one day, but you want to talk about yesterday. Yeah, I do, Harry. Because a couple things happened. You know, if you if you remember, and the market opened up, you know, very very strong, and and did in fact close the day. Dow was up, Nasdaq. Pretty marginal. I'm so Nasdaq down slightly, S and P up just ever so slightly. But you know, um, our guy, our guy Mike Wilson, who you always, you know, one of your, you know, I know one you're one of my heroes. I know you're a fan. You know, it, it, it's the day started yesterday with a, a lot of optimism. I mean, he is the, the, one of the most prominent bears on the street, and and he said that stocks had passed a critical test last week and looked. To be moving on the plus side for 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 more gains, um, and as a re- as a re- as a result of that, you know, you know, Wilson, 
you know, he, he, I mean, he's a technician and his group are technicians, Harry. But what he said was equity markets went right to the brink of the critical support levels we discussed and held. Uh, then he went on to say, more importantly, they reacted strongly from those levels, which suggests this will not be a one-day wonder. And the bear market, see, the bear market rally is not over yet. Bear market rally. So he is saying you probably have another 2 to 3% on the upside from here. Uh, 41.50, I believe I saw was his number. But as a, as a result of the S&P 500, but as a result of that, Harry, he's still, you know, uh, neg- uh, you know, earnings recession. You know, we still have a lot of work to do before 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 we get out of this. Now, the other thing that you know is going to happen this week is that you know Chairman Powell is going to spend today and mm-hmm. tomorrow, you know, testifying on Capitol Hill in what is referred to as the semiannual monetary policy report to uh, to Congress. Mm. Starts at 10 a.m. today. Um, you know, his his comments are going to be obviously very, very closely watched. And I think what you're going to do you, see... Do you think he intends to make news today? I, th- I think what you're going to see happen over the next two days, he's going to repeat the message that he has been delivering since the February FOMC meeting. Uh, and say uh, with respect to data dependence and, and more work to do. He has, he's going to probably have two goals in his testimony, uh, prepare Congress that the FOMC expects to continue to raise rates. I mean, that's sort of in the cards anyway. How high is the question? Uh, so, again, it's all data dependent. But, Harry, I think – Are we looking at 25 basis points – more likely or less likely than 50? I think it's probably more likely 25 yeah. at the next meeting. Some 150, though. Some, well, the market says some, it might be yeah. 50. You know, I think what everyone fails, I don't want to say everyone fails to recognize, but a lot of the data that they look at is, it was, it's, it's lagging indicators. You know, we're going to get Friday, we're going to get the jobs report for the month of February. We're going to get weekly, weekly jobless claims on, on Thursday. Might be six, 617,000 new jobs created we're gonna, for February. We're going we're gonna to get CPI. We're going to get CPI, I believe, next week. So, you know, I, I don't think you're going to see any surprises, you know, come out, come out of Powell. But, you know, a lot of really smart people are saying the Fed really needs to, you know, not necessarily take a pause. Larry but, Summers wants them to drop the hammer even harder. Well, but understand who Larry Summers is. Yeah, and, I do. And I, I think as a result of that, you'll clearly understand why he's making those statements. Until he said that, though, he's been more right than he's been wrong as of late, even though he wasn't very good when he had the job. No, he he's was, been better since he hasn't had the he, job. He was actually pretty terrible. Oh, my God. You With, I do, uh, without a doubt. But he's been better since he doesn't have the job. <laughs> Chuck, we're going to break. Let me tease you with this. Rich Eisen, NFL Network. You, you've heard right. of him. Mm-hmm. He is saying to keep an eye on Tom Brady, that Tom Brady may be about to unretire. Oh, I just goodness. thought, I, I know you're a football fan, and so am I, and I'm a Tom Brady fan. I never thought he should retire uh, anyhow. He blew up his whole family, and then he retires? I mean, so uh, I'm not going to be surprised if he, he's got the Fox deal. That that is guaranteed for ten years. It's the richest deal for an analyst, a lead analyst in history. 
and it starts after he's done. Uh, I don't see him just goofing off this year. He's not even going to start with Fox News this year. I think he's going to play. We'll be right back. He's Chuck Malamut. I am early in the morning. Chuck will talk more about financial matters. I do not like this next topic at all, but I know he's right with what he's about to share with you. He is Chuck Malamut. A reminder for all of your financial planning needs, call 609-383-2010. With Chuck, I am Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM. It's early in the morning, anytime, anywhere, on the WPG Talk Radio app. Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. So I said before the break, we're not going to like this, but Chuck tells the truth. He's intellectually honest and he doesn't tell us what we want to hear. He tells us what we need to hear. 609-383-2010 to reach Chuck Malamut for all of your financial planning needs. So I want to I want to get Shakespearean, a little poetic, actually. January giveth and February taketh away, didn't it? Harry, maybe I feel you, smarter I, I, speaking like that. The good news is your uh, your math skills are actually more. You're more exceptional with math than you are in the with English, but that's okay. Thank you, I thank mean, you, Chuck. It makes you a very well rounded person. Yeah, I appreciate it's all, that. It's all good. You know, I think that's it was why sort you, of a compliment. And, a, and it, it, no, no, no. That's why you spend all that time in the banking industry. Yeah, I know. You know, in the, I know, in, I know. You know, in the hotel business and in the banking. I know. So the, protege of Malamut. And now you're working on the other side, the yes. other side of the brain. It's yes. all good. So listen, seriously speaking, yes. uh, as you remember, uh, you know, when we got started at the beginning of the year, uh, re, you know, we were looking at receding inflation readings. Uh, we were looking at our uh, economic growth moderating to a certain degree. Uh, and, and then that was all great. And then February, we flipped the page to February, Harry, and then all of a sudden, February, you know, uh, you know, inflation reared its ugly head. Uh, maybe the economy isn't slowing uh, quickly enough to to uh, send the the Fed uh, Reserve to the monetary policy sidelines anytime soon. So you think about it. You know, uh, during the month of um, ending January, the S and P was up six point six percent. Gave back almost half of that during February. Ending the month up about three and a half percent. So, Harry, you know, st- stocks were down, uh, bonds, you know, were down at the same time. Uh, the, the the Nasdaq, uh, you know, again was the best of the group. And and again, re- you remember we talked about just a couple weeks ago, sort of that what they re- a lot of analysts referring to the the dash to trash, <laughs> and then all the anything that didn't work last year, you know, all of a sudden started to work this year. And, you know, as remember, the best performing sector in 2022 was energy. And that's sort of it's not in the top and it's not is, at the bottom. Is that as simple as for those who don't understand this like you do because you're the best at it? When something is bad last year and it's good the next year, is that because it's now considered a buying opportunity? You, usually, yes. I mean, if you, if you look at how those three sectors, the consumer discretionary, Communication services and information technology were down, Harry, uh, 20, 25, 30, even maybe 30, up to 32, 35 uh, percent. It does provide it does provide opportunity. I find it very interesting that literally, you, you know, you go from December 31 to January 1 and you f- flip the calendar and all of a sudden 
things change. Yeah. But that's why people, man, you know, pro- professionals manage money. And this is why you talk about asset allocation and proper asset management. And you, this, it's always important. For 31 years, Chuck has talked to you about the importance of proper asset management and the all-important asset allocation. But when it's going gangbusters and it almost seems like you just can't, you know, do you can't lose no matter what you try when things are going one way, t- challenging times like we've been experiencing, it's more important than ever, isn't well, look, it? Yeah, I mean, Harry well said, perfect case in point. Look at look at co- look look at what happened during COVID. I mean, almost everyone is home. Mm-hmm. You know, more than you know, not I don't think our generation per se because we are. You know, we're more investors and we're less traders. But, you know, the younger generations, uh, you know, they they have their device and they think that they can just time to market, trade, day, and trade sell and, and the meme stocks and, and it goes on and on and on. And and so when you kind of when you finally wake up and you say, what did I do here? Yeah. And you have some and I don't want to say I don't want to call them garbage stocks, but you have. If you don't understand what you own and why you own it, you shouldn't own it. Yeah, it's a great comment. It's it's. I mean, that doesn't mean you need to know all the nuances of a particular company, but you obviously need to understand the the industry, the sector, the subsector, what it's doing, why it's doing. You know, and if you buy a, a mutual fund or unit investment trust, same thing. Like why? Like why did you buy this? Chuck, let me, let me blow the uh, the agenda before the bottom of the hour break because <laughs> I'm just curious what your answer is going to be to this. Sam Bankman-Fried, and we were hearing crypto, 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 cryptocurrency. I mean, it was like crazy. 24-7, cryptocurrency, cryptocurrency. Chuck, honestly, I can't remember the last time I have heard the media even go boo about cryptocurrency. Well, look. Let's take a step back here for a second. 2022, the worst year on record for cryptocurrency thieves, thefts. Hackers stole almost $4 billion throughout the year uh, with huge spikes in stolen assets during the month of March and October. Obviously, that a lot had to, had to do with FTX. Um, how do I say this in a nice way? Your show, we try not to spend this hour talking about politics. Correct. If we understand clearly how much money was donated to these various campaigns, these politicians, Harry, by, you know, you know, by FTX or their subsidiary companies, um, I think it's unfortunately painfully obvious as to why the news flow has stopped. However, you know, I I think, you know, full steam ahead. I mean, this guy... I mean, he's going to he's going to do time and then some. And, Harry, I'm not sure. I don't think anybody has figured out where the money is, if the money is there at all. Amazing. And then even little things. Now, what am I saying? Little would be a huge thing. I can't imagine having an investment that if you forgot your password, you could lose your investment. Come on. if, If you're dealing with Chuck Malamut. And Morgan Stanley, I, I, I do. I mean, if I forgot my password, there's security protocols to change the password, to, to do whatever you have to do. If you lose your, your password, you lose your money. Yeah, I, I mean, remember, Harry, it was several years ago. Uh, there, was all, there was one story in particular that, you know, basically 
floated through the internet where this one fellow, I think maybe some European country, uh, somehow his computer ended up getting physically trashed. Yep. And that's, and that's how he was able to access his, re- his records. And, on, and they went to the, the, they went to the dump, so to speak, and they're, Digging through, yeah, trying to find the trying to find a computer because it's gone, and obviously they couldn't find it. You know, Apple has a similar type thing. I don't know how I would have gotten uh, back on my phone. You know, my phone died mm-hmm. right. fifteen minutes before I was leaving for the airport. Never had this happen before. Thought it was in perfect condition. Had you know, not long before had a new battery put in. Everything was perfect. Death screen. It came back one time, and I was able to get my password. Mm-hmm. I had changed my password when my identity was stolen, or I would have had the other. I had the other one committed to memory, didn't have the new one committed to memory, and I'm in Florida. I would have eventually found it somewhere where I have it. You know, what do you call that when you have multiple? I have another location where I would have had it. But if you don't have that password, you basically you're, you're done. done. You're, you're done. done. You get ten chances, and then, then see you later. We'll be right back. He is Chuck Malamut. Don't go away. Chuck Malamut talking all about your financial matters. This is the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network. It's Harry Hurley with Chuck Malamut at 30 minutes past the hour. Three stories you can follow right now on the app. The homeless and another fire under the boardwalk in Atlantic City. We have the story. Atlantic County Prosecutor's Office, they not only arrested those uh, two guys responsible for this cockfighting operation in Buna. They helped rehome hundreds of animals. And the awards keep coming for Marty and Laquetta Small. We have an article about their latest award. From the Town Square, New Jersey Info and Weather Network, I'm Chief Meteorologist Dan Zaro. Well, today started somewhat wet and wintry. It's going to end windy. The sun comes out this morning. Wind gusts kick up to 30-plus miles an hour. We're cooling down today, high of 48 degrees this afternoon. A few clouds tonight with a low of 30. The wind chill's going to bite you. And then tomorrow, mostly sunny, still breezy, and staying dry for your Wednesday, high of 49. Get weather 24-7 wherever you are. Download our free mobile app today. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Healthy life. Sean Hannity this afternoon at 3. Now, early in the morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Hey, thank you. 36 minutes past the hour with Chuck Malamud. A reminder for all of your financial planning needs. Turn to the official financial advisor for the Hurley in the Morning program, Chuck Malamut, 609-383-2010. If you're new to the program, Chuck and I have been doing this every Tuesday morning in the 8 o'clock hour for 31 years. It's almost unprecedented in radio in American history. Mm-hmm. It's almost – it's never been achieved because obviously it has to be two people that want to be together and and have a show for 31. I mean it's just – the math is, is against you. It, it, I'm going to look into it, but it's probably at or near a record in American history for one program every single week for more than three decades. And Chuck and I go back 15 years before that or thereabouts. So our relationship is a lifetime – and uh, I trust Chuck Malamut implicitly. He is the only person that you will hear me uh, endorse, recommend uh, that you that you seek his counsel for all of your financial matters, college building, retirement planning, vacation planning, whatever you're doing. 609-383-2010. Chuck, time is yours. 
Thank you, Harry. You know, the one thing that we've always tried not to talk about is politics. I know. And and, and no sooner do, do I say that than what I'm, gonna, what I'm going to say here in a minute is all about politics. So your friend Janet Yellen. Yes, I love her. U.S. Secretary of the Treasury. She said she's willing to discuss reducing the deficit with Republicans. Now, I'm not sure how you reduce the deficit unless you just stop spending this re- having this reckless spending I'll refer to it but in a big word but Harry it's not a condition of raising the debt ceiling all right so I'm going to go ahead I'm going to discuss reducing the deficit while we want to actually other side, raise our spending but I'm not going to but, but but it's not going to be one of the conditions of raising the debt ceiling because that's the fake out Chuck the fake out is we're open to cuts they're not open to cuts they are in spend, 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 spend mm-hmm. modality. That's enough on that. Now, Chuck, again, in this area, uh, it's not the case. Rents are not coming down in the metro market, New Jersey metro market. In fact, I believe they're going up. But you have information that, that, that yields that apartment rents are on the decline. Yeah, so out you – know, Which they need to be. Harry, they're out of control. You know, nationally, nationally speaking, there's a uh, – there's a site that tracks it. It's called apartmentlist.com. And what, what they came up with, it, apartment rents fell in each of the past six months. And now, Harry, are about 3.5% lower than they were back in August. Now, that decline that I just mentioned follows a two-year 25% price surge. All right? um, according to the uh, Wall Street Journal, Nearly half a million new units are expected to come online in 2023, and we're seeing new units around here, Harry. You know, one virtually right down the street. It's under construction not far from us on Tilton Road or right behind Tilton Road. So so if these units come online, then that could potentially put more downward pressure on these prices. And this is what the Fed wants. I mean, what what has held housing prices is the fact that there's an inventory shortage and even with rates pushing higher during the last month you know people do have to buy properties they you know they they have to get out of their home they're moving they're relocating whatever it may be but you know uh you need more inventory you need more supply you know and that's going to ultimately bring these prices down very good chuck um this is is a fact it's back over seven at last I checked, uh, U.S. mortgage rates are on the rise. Yeah, and I sort That's of, you know, they sort of, you know, follow through with just what we just talked about. You know, mortgage rates, uh, you know, are up about one percent, Harry, from the lows that were recent lows that were put in back in January. And again, that's going to create a fair amount of frustration, um, you know, for some, you know, especially those that think the housing market correction is behind us. I don't. I don't see it, Harry. I don't know. I'm not. I'm not the expert. Maybe you know, uh, nephew Jim can when he's tomorrow. on again. Maybe he can comment on it. But it just tomorrow at eight. It just doesn't seem. You know, that's one of the. That's one of the. You the know. My disappointment is they were coming down, so it was false hope, because you know, I, obviously, if you look through history, uh, I know what the interest rate was when Margie and I bought our first property in Summers Point. And it was it was terrible. It was like seventeen percent. Uh, this though, when people were used to three and four and even under three, uh, I think seven point one or mm-hmm. something like that. 
is the current rate. That's the difference. I saw uh, an item about four hours ago, Chuck, when I was doing some show prep for your show today, that the average mortgage today will be about $607 more, more right. per month than, than it would have been a year ago. That's, that's, a, that's your car mm-hmm. payment and other stuff. I mean, that's a big deal. You know how we talked about the Fed, you know, and and what they measure and a lot of lagging indicators and they're looking at they're looking at the uh, weekly jobless claims and the monthly jobs report. Yeah. And and you commented just kind of rolled right off your tongue well the 517,000 jobs that were And I went to 617 right, for February. They were produced in Jan- they, yeah. they came online in January. So but here's I think Harry I think this is all, what I'm going to tell you. I think it's pretty good news here because this is what the Fed's looking for, but but we're not seeing it. Uh, th- there are there are a number of these large recruiting online recruiting firms, Harry, that that track the the labor U.S. labor market, and it might not seem what the government is reporting here. You know, Zip Recruiter and Indeed; those are the two biggies. They they say that these job listings. On their sites have dropped more, dropped more than what the government data reflects. So I, I don't, you know, they're, they're more real time, Harry. They're more, you know, you know, in the moment because people looking for, you know, people posting and looking for employees. But maybe this is finally happening, and the Fed can stop these, you know, these incredible monthly rate increases. It's going to basically hamstring the economy and. I'll say this to you now, and I'll say it to you next week, and I said it to you last week. Are we in a recession? Well, it depends what the meaning of the word recession is. They changed it. That's correct. We July would, the, we, you're right. July the 29th, yeah. 2022, Wikipedia changed the definition of a recession. In, in any time in modern American history, decades since we've been using what I think is very objective – you know, I don't like subjective stuff. They're doing subjective stuff now and just changing the language, which is it's it's so dishonest. It's it's scary. But I was okay with if you have two consecutive quarters of negative uh, GDP, then you're in a recession. That's never not been a fact until now. So my answer to you is it's whatever they want it to be. Okay, we'll be back with Chuck Malamut six oh nine. But my answer would be yes. Twice, two mm-hmm. recessions. I think we, I think we've gone through a double dip. Six zero nine three eight three twenty ten to reach Chuck Malamut. We'll be back in just a few minutes. Life is hectic here in South Jersey, but one thing you don't have to worry about is missing the information you need while you're running around doing a zillion things. That's why WPG Talk Radio 95.5 brings you everything you need to know in six minutes at the top of every hour. National headlines from Fox News Radio, South Jersey News, and your local AccuWeather forecast all in six minutes. WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Listen for the morning edition of the O'Reilly Update with Bill O'Reilly at 1015 this morning. Now, Harry Hurley on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you. We continue with Chuck Malamud. He is talking all about your financial matters to reach Chuck for all of your financial planning needs. 609-383-2010. Full, wide, comprehensive financial planning services available with the Malamut Group at Morgan Stanley in their beautiful Northfield, New Jersey office, 609-383-2010. 
I like that we're getting to this with a real quality amount of time left in your show, Chuck. We've got eight minutes before the end of today's show. Dr. Newkirk will join us. And then we have um, the Ideal Institute of Technology, a multi-million dollar, four million dollar uh, expansion project that we're going to be talking about. Very exciting. And I, I love tech schools that um, really are delivering what some schools just aren't in the traditional sense. Chuck and I have talked about that, actually. Uh, but this is I, I saw the number it was like eight point three percent or something. The biggest Social Security COLA cost of living adjustment increase ever. But it may not be enough. Chuck. Yeah, actually, Harry, yeah, you're you're pretty you're pretty spot on. The increase was eight point seven percent. Eight point seven. But you know, biggest ever. It, it, you're absolutely. How scary is that? Eight point seven percent increase, and it may not be enough. So, a recent survey, Harry, that was conducted by what is referred to as the Senior Citizens League, they reported that fifty five percent of older Americans uh, believe that the increase that they just received as uh, with Social Security with a COLA not enough to keep up with inflation. Uh, and a lot of that has to do, Harry, with the increasing cost of health care. You know, uh, also health, food. You know, health, but health care is, is the yep. number one. You know, when you compare, you know, people that are 65 or older, the uh, the most, you know, most retirees above, uh, you know, above that age right now are spending a lot of money on health care, even though, you know, a lot of people are on Medicare. I mean, as a result of that, you know, the the average retiree benefit increases by more than $140 a month. That's tough. And so now you're really pushed. And as you mentioned, the food prices. And so, I mean, it's hard to believe that, you know, almost a 9% increase and you still can't keep up on a day-to-day basis. Well, it's just terrible. But we we see so many things that are up way more, way more than that. Uh, I am young enough to remember IPOs, Chuck. Yeah, I Harry, am. I think we are. And I said, yes. you know, th- we're in the second year now where there's basically there, there's no there's no IPOs. I mean, uh, year to date, we're, we're at 16 equity invest uh, um, IPOs, initial public offerings. Uh, and that's with market caps of more than 50 million dollars, you know, for a deal. Uh, and that's exactly where we were, you know, a year ago, Harry. Uh, think about this. Um, unchanged year over year, uh, you, you know the, the areas that they're that they're that we're doing these IPOs or healthcare, technology, consumer discretionary. But the bottom line is, you can't get. It's hard to get money right now. We've talked about this, yeah. you know, pretty much you know week in and week out. But there's you know there's no deals in in the pipeline right now. Are the peer not that this is your space, but you're not immune to it either. Are the peer to peer lending sources is the spigot still fairly wide open? The rate's going to be terrible. Well, it, it is, but the you know it's, it's, it's totally different from from what you see yeah. in the in the IPO world. Yes. And just you know the, those deals, they're not even close. Not, uh, even, not, not, not on a comparative basis. So 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 true. FDIC and troubled banks. You know, Do we have many troubled banks? You know, we've always talked about this. And I think, you know, the FDIC, you know, if you look at what gets paid in uh, from these, you know, banks and different uh, savings institutions, the bottom line, Harry, uh, right now, the, there are uh, 39 troubled banks that the that the FDIC has noted at the end of the last quarter. What do you think that number was post 
you know, financial crisis uh, back in 2008 and nine. What do you think the, the high number was? Take a, take a shot here. You're pretty good at this. I know. I don't have a guess. There was 888. See, I would have never gone there because um, I remember for the longest time we've had really no trouble banks, right? Well, this was back in the this heyday. Is, this was back right. in the heyday when you know everything, nothing was working. Yeah, when the when we they said we were actually going to be insolvent and right. the whole right. tarp and everything. So there was almost a thousand banks that were on that troubled list. So think about, you know, people say, well, you know, it's, I was going to say a thousand. You know, it's it's like Why we're going we're that. going back to oh eight and oh nine. We're not even Harry. We're not even close. I mean, the you know the what has been put in play. Over over the last decade, is these banks are a lot more solvent than they were, you know, back in 08 and 09. So think about it. You're at 39. That's, I mean, I'm not saying 39 is a big number, but 39 is, in the grand scheme of things, I think that's very, very doable. How about the V word, volatility? Well, you know, the VIX, as we refer to it, you know, we look at that every day. And, uh, you know, when we got back in that rally mode back in the beginning of 2023 in January, you know, through, you know, from the beginning of January to where we were, Harry, as of last week, we have seen um, a number of days that we have had 1% moves. You know, we've had 35 trading days, you know, back to the middle of February. Uh, and as a res- and what was happening, 17 of those days, half of those days, Harry, we saw a move a plus or minus 1%. I mean, that's just insane like every day the market's moving and harry we haven't seen those kinds of moves you know over the last i mean we talked about last year but for the, over the last five years you know what is very interesting when you have that much volatility the market in the beginning of the year you know you end up higher believe it or not about almost 16 percent year to date or 16 percent for the year so you know, if you know investors get anxious, your you know your listeners say, "Oh my God, I have to bail. I got to get out of here." You just, I think you really need to exhibit some patience here. I think you'll hopefully be rewarded for that. Is spring going to break the budget? Well, I'm not sure, Harry, because you know you think you look at what's happening with the, with the airline travel and hotels and just rental cars. I mean, spring break is big yes it is and and what is happening now most recently when you when you sort of surveyed those that are going to go on some kind of a break almost 25 percent with adults that are planning to travel with children over spring break have made some kind of change they they have you know they they have priced you know uh you know reducing the amount of travel days Flying differently, driving instead of flying, staying someplace else, cutting an activity, cutting out a meal or two. So, I mean, they're still traveling, Harry, but, you know, uh, 70% said that they've had a tweak, you know, their travel plans to save money. So that's added on top of what we talked about last week with this huge credit card debt. And we're going to get to that next week as well, Harry. Look forward to it because that is the next crisis. That's uh, about a trillion by the by the time we get to next week. You've been listening to Chuck Malamut. He presents every Tuesday morning, presents and pays for all about financial matters with Chuck Malamut. A reminder, 609-383-2010. 609-383-2010 for all of your financial planning needs. Chuck, 
Thank you. Harry, thanks for having me. Enjoy the rest of your week. You do the same. So well done. Dr. Newkirk is next. Then the Ideal Institute of Technology, a $4 million expansion that we're going to talk about. Atlantic City, WENJHD3, Millville, a town square media station. Everything you need to know in six minutes starts now. From Harry Hurley Way in the world's playground to the broadcast pioneers of Philadelphia Hall of Fame. I want to congratulate my friend, Harry Hurley. You're about to find out why Harry Hurley has been named to the Talkers Magazine list of the 100 most important talk show hosts in the nation. Live from the studios of Town Square Media in Northfield, it's Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Thank you very much. We are joined twice monthly on the first and the third uh, uh, Tuesday of every month by Dr. Mark Newkirk when Newkirk Family Veterinarians presents and pays for their twice-monthly program all about your pets with Dr. Mark Newkirk. Dr. Mark Newkirk is located with his great team at Newkirk Family Veterinarians. Remember the the name family. It's not – they don't bury the lead. That's really the philosophy of the – Newkirk family veterinarians, that it's, it is a family, and that's from every aspect, humans, your pets, all of it. 3085 English Creek Avenue, Egg Harbor Township, 609-645-2020. Uh, let me say it in English, 609-645-2120, 609-645-2120 to make an appointment or if you have a question. And they're on the web at NewkirkFamilyVeterinarians.com. NewkirkFamilyVeterinarians.com. Let me start with that, Doc. Uh, I, I always remember to remember to say the name correctly. I, I don't say Newkirk Veterinarians. Newkirk Family Veterinarians. And that's for a good reason. Tell us why. Well, we've always thought from the very beginning when I started Margate, it was just me and one other person uh, and, you know, starting out, I was seeing three or four clients a day, you know, it was brand new. And uh, that person got to be my right hand, my left hand. Uh, so uh, we always started treating each other like family. And just through the years, it's it's always been like that. You know, I've I've taught my people to, to do the work that they want to do. It's not just, uh, hey, go for this and go for that. Um, and they've taken responsibility. And uh, many times uh, clients will call. They don't even want to talk to me. They want to talk to Lisa or they want to talk to Linda or they want to talk to somebody else. You know, and I've had people work with me 15 years, 20 years, uh, Linda off and on, um, 40 years. So, uh, it, it is like family and we've helped. Uh, we've helped each other through many things, um, uh, events of life and, problems and tragedies in life and we've always been there for each other so uh and then that just extends to all of our clients and and all of our uh our pets and we we try to make sure everybody's called back by the end of the day and uh we're always happy to see our of course we have our favorite puppies and kittens that come in and and you know, speaking of families, we have second generation families that are coming to me now. Uh, so when I first started, they were children, and now they're grown up and have children, and they're still coming. And uh, you know, it's been nice to see families grow up, and multiple animals grow up, and uh, um, and and just contribute to a good feeling. And that's why when we 
got the new hospital over here in Egg Harbor Township in 2005. We we made it as a home. Uh, when you come in, it looks like everybody's living room. We got a fireplace, comfortable chairs, rugs on the floor. You know, we've tried to create that kind of atmosphere. Let me further this because I, I obviously I love it, and I I just really respect the philosophy of Newkirk family veterinarians. But it's serious stuff because um, you think about on the human side, if your doctor retires and mine did, traumatic event because you're so comfortable. You've developed a rapport typically over many, many years. Now my dentist has uh, quasi-retired. And I know because obviously you care for Lauren and Andrews, my daughter and my son-in-law's two dogs, um, Quay and Sawyer. Uh, it's very personal thing. Uh, there, there is that respect, that trust when you've been because you've been you've been Quay's doctor for almost 15 years. Uh, the only veterinarian that, 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 that they have had. And Sawyer, I forget how old Sawyer is now. He's a lot younger than Quay, but you've had Sawyer for a number of years. This is a big deal. People develop a trust and a respect and a rapport, don't they? Yeah, and that's also why we try to build it as a family so that, you know, people know, like I said, they can call and ask for one of the other staff who've been there so long, and they, that staff member knows their dog and, and their cat and their history. And, um, you know, we, we just try to take care of everybody in the best way we can. You know, we do deal with a lot of life and death, but we also have a lot of fun every day. And we get to see puppies and kittens and birds, and we see nice people. And, um, you know, I never know what's coming in the door. It could be a reptile, could be a rabbit. Um, and that just keeps it fresh for me as well. And, and then you see the dedication that these people have to their pets. And, and you know, nowadays what we can do uh, for some of these animals is between bone plating and radiation therapy for cancer you know it's uh, it, it's just uh, amazing what the advances of especially in the last 40 years since i've been practicing you know that we've seen hey when i started we didn't even have computers so yes <laughs> it's been a long time you had manual files right paper files you go manual into the, files yeah. yeah no cell phones and i had a pager <laughs> then try to find a pay phone if you're out of you know, so. Oh, do I remember the day of pagers? Oh, my gosh. They were very big. Then they got very small, like everything. Cell phones, big brick. Then they got small. You think about the technology. Now, from a technology standpoint, the advances have been extraordinary, haven't they, Doc? Yeah, they have uh, animals who are getting CT scans, MRIs are, are getting much more routine. Uh, the only issue becomes is the owner's ability to pay for it. And with the advent in the last 15 years or so of pet insurance and more people getting pet insurance, uh, then these advanced techniques are able to be done. Um, it's uh, So just a plug for pet insurance, you really, 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 really should have it because um, – Things get very expensive very quickly, and especially if your animal is um, diagnosed with, uh, um, say, a kidney disease or it's hit by a car or uh, things like that. Um, it gets expensive very quick. And many times, um, unfortunately, it comes down to, well, I don't have the money. And then the question then becomes, well, 
Um, do we have to end the life prematurely maybe? And it's a horrible decision to have to be sitting there making. Um, but uh, so once again, uh, check out pet insurance. Uh, it really is. Um, and it's just like our, our insurance used to be any doctor. You didn't have to be a participating thing. You didn't have to get a referral. You just go in, here's my insurance, boom, we're good. So um, really check that out if you haven't. That is strong. And, and I would hope that more and more people would follow your guidance on that. You're not saying that for any other reason than it's in the best interests of your patients, your clients at Newkirk Family Veterinarians. We're going to be right back with Dr. Newkirk. A reminder, right after Dr. Newkirk, there is a um, a big expansion that's taking place. It will break ground this Thursday at the Ideal Institute of Technology. They're, they're putting together a $4 million project that's going to advance certain education initiatives that we're going to be talking about in the second half of this hour. It's an entrepreneurship and technology hub expansion at the Ideal Institute of Technology right in Pleasantville. In fact, you talk about repurposing um, that we talk about on this program where one company couldn't keep the building any longer, the Press of Atlantic City. Ideal Institute of Technology is breaking ground on the Washington Avenue facility that used to be the offices for the press of Atlantic City, who no longer have an office building. We'll be back with Dr. Newkirk. It's 15 minutes past the hour with Doc. I am. Early in the morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. From the world's playground, this is Hurley in the Morning on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. Back to Dr. Newkirk. In just a moment, this portion of our program is also brought to us by United Methodist Communities at the Shores. So if you or a loved one, a special someone in your life, if you are considering senior living options, I recommend the Shores. Transitioning to the Shores is easy. Move in and experience the abundant life. The Shores is fully remodeled. It's like, I'm telling you, it's like a beautiful four or five diamond, four or five star hotel resort, private apartments, two beautiful restaurants, a bistro on the first floor, an on-site fitness center, transportation to local shopping, and best of all, just three short blocks to the Ocean City Boardwalk and Beach. To inquire, schedule a tour. You're going to love the staff, the facilities, 609 609- 391-6321. That's 609-391-6321. United Methodist Communities at the Shores in Ocean City. Hey, Doc, I'm curious, and uh, I think it'd be a great update for your listeners uh, and some that may have missed out. Uh, it, it's a big miss because Dental Month just ended about a week ago. How did it go? Yeah, highly successful, like it is every year. We uh, always keep a list of people who need to have this done, and we remind them that February is National Dental Month, where we do uh, help them by taking 20% off. Uh, dental disease is hugely rampant in our pets, uh, especially our smaller dogs are, are really very, very, very common. Um, and it's more than just having some nice-smelling breath. It's about removing infection from the animal's mouth. It's the same as if you had an infected tooth, you would go and have it taken care of. The difference really is, though, is animals don't get cavities, and so the pain that we 
experience when we're having a problem. That really doesn't occur with dogs and cats. So people come in and say, well, he's eating just fine. And, you know, you we have you do what's called flip the lip. So pull that lip way back so you can see the back teeth and flip that up. And oftentimes you'd be horrified at what you see there. Uh, and it's just come on so slowly and so gradually that the animals are used to it, just like uh, we walk around with arthritis pain because we're used to it. Um, but this is a source of a bacterial infection for the entire body. And uh, just like people who have severe periodontal disease, this can affect the valves of your heart, your kidney, your liver. Uh, so it's really important to, to have this done. Um, and it is a complete anesthesia. There's no way an animal is going to let you pull a tooth or uh, have its mouth open so you can squirt the water pick back in there while it's awake. It's just not going to happen. So uh, these non-anesthetic uh, dentals are uh, they're better than nothing, but certainly they're not doing the proper job. So uh, really important to have that done. And we do like to have our dogs especially chew on bones. Um, bones have the a natural enzyme in them that uh, help break down the tartar. And when you see a dog gnawing on a bone, it's really scraping the sides of its teeth, which is where the problem is. So a nice big knuckle bone uh, right out of the butcher shop. You know, you can just knock on the door when you're in the acme and say, I need a big bone for my dog. And the key thing is that it should be raw. Don't steam it. Don't cook it. You destroy the enzymes and you make the bone brittle, and then you're getting sharp pieces breaking off. So if it's raw, those little pieces are uh, natural bone, they're digestible. And the inside of your dog, your poodle, whatever you have is the same as the wolf that's out there. And, uh, you know, they're eating bones all the time. So um, it's okay, and <laughs> it really will make a big difference. Some of those bones you actually see, it's a different color. You see the bone marrow that's in the bone is that is that also good for dogs yeah marrow is uh high in fat animals really like it so it entices them to um, eat the bone or chew on the bone the only time it might be an issue is if you have a dog with a history of pancreatitis so you want to stay away from high fat but chances of the dog getting that much marrow at one time so you'd say oh gosh he had a high fat meal uh, you know, pretty unusual, but in that case, we might back off a little bit. But otherwise, now let them have it. And if the bone is um, hanging, it's got gristle and meat and tendon on it, the, the dogs pull that through their teeth like dental floss. So it's, it's really the best thing to, to get the teeth to be clean. When you get one of those nice bones that you're talking about, the dog will work on that for a good long while, don't they? Yeah, they will. They take it outside and bury it and dig it up <laughs> later and eat the dirt. You know, it's, it's just the way that animals are. And, you know, we're in this, everything has to be sterile these days. And, you know, I I think that's wrong. You know, you and I played in the dirt when yeah, we were kids. And, that's true. And, uh, you know, we're fine. I know. I know. I think, I think actually we're going to find that there's a problem with all this hand sanitizer and everything because of what you're talking about we tolerated it with no problem at all i mean getting cut and anything that came your way you know uh, what they used to tease in the old days rub a little mud on it rub a little dirt on it on the cut people did that uh of course that's anathema to what 
you're told today. I mean, today it's, it's you know, get it in a sterile environment. I, I think we've gone too far the other way. Yeah, we have, and we're over antibiotic to guess, and this is why we're seeing all these resistant strains of, of antibiotics. You know, uh, and when we get a cold, that's a virus. So yep. antibiotics aren't going to do squat, but you ask your doctor for antibiotics and he gives them to you. Now, they seem to work because all antibiotics are anti-inflammatory. <clears throat> so it takes the inflammation down and you sort of feel better, but it's not the antibiotic doing anything. And you're just creating resistant bacteria. Yeah. Uh, by the way, that's correct. And as you know, Dr. Newkirk, uh, we're down to only a couple of antibiotics that actually work. We could get to the point. Uh, I don't want to be, you know, down the whole program here, make it such a downer, but we could get to the point where, and there are now, there are the antibiotic resistant types of strains, infections uh, that could ultimately become a very big problem in our society. Yeah, and it already is. Uh, Hospital-borne infections are very common. It's another reason why they try to get us out of the hospital as soon as possible. Yep. Uh, so here you are in a hospital with all this medication and disinfectant, and it's a prime place for you to pick up an infection. So it's uh, it's yeah, it's just too too, too many antibiotics to prescribe left and right. So true, Doc. In terms of um, allergies, we know because you've educated us so well over the many years we've been together that it's not the same for animals and humans. They they have allergies, but they don't have them like we do. Uh, but yet they do have them. So we, we basically, as you know, we've talked about it a lot on your show, we've escaped the winter. I think there's going to be like some overnight in the next few days. It's going to be like 19 degrees or something. But we've barely had any below freezing. During the day, it seems to always be significantly above freezing. So we're almost skipping winter, which means, according to people that are experts in this space, that allergies will come sooner and people are already suffering from seasonal allergies what do we do about the pets and their allergies? Yeah, a huge problem in our animals as well, and they can be allergic to anything that you and I can be allergic to. That their uh, mechanism of allergy is different. They scratch and they itch. Their ears are very itchy. Their eyes are itchy. They're not typically sneezing uh, like like you and I do, and this is why antihistamines don't work very well. It's a different mechanism. Uh, they're they're not a histamine based allergy as we are, and so um, they, we're sort of treating things after the fact, the same as uh, let's say you start to have your runny nose and you take an antihistamine, the allergy is already going, and then you treat that um, afterwards to sort of knock it down. Uh, in the last few years, there's been a nice breakthrough in uh, animal allergies, and that's sort of preventing the allergy reaction from occurring and there's a pill called apiquel and an injection called cytopoint which uh, target what are called the t cells t as in tom and when the allergen comes in the t cells go up and the t cells release their chemical and then you itch from that chemical and it's the same way as a human. It comes in, hits the mast cell, it goes up, it releases histamine, you react to the histamine. Well, in this case, this is a way to block the T cells from going up in the first place so they don't release 
their allergic chemical. So you're kind of preventing the allergy before it shows up. And these have been pretty darn successful. The nice thing is, is that they're not steroids. Uh, we can typically, with most animals, uh, get away with not using steroids, which was and still is the mainstay. Um, some of these animals come into me and they're itching themselves bloody and raw. Now, this is an animal that's going to get a steroid, and it's a short-acting steroid, but we need to stop this itch in its tracks. And uh, these, they, they often need antibiotics because they've got secondary infections, and you know, they're just miserable. So it's not that steroids are bad, but if we're treating long-term and chronic allergy, then, of course, we want to stay away from them. So we're very, very happy with those. Now, in our practice, we use a lot of alternative medicine as well. We have many uh, Chinese herbal formulations, for example, that help quite uh, uh, do quite a nice job with many of our uh, allergy animals. And or it minimizes the amount of breakouts or the amount of drug that we need to use with these guys. Um, and, and many people are interested in alternative medicine these days. And uh, we we see quite a few of them. So there are special rinses. We also talk about diet changes. There's there's multiple reasons that dogs and cats become allergic, uh, and oftentimes it's related to the the byproducts and the junk that's in the pet food. So we're always going to counsel them to upgrade uh, and improve the diet. So it's a long discussion, especially if it's an animal's coming in for a second or a third opinion. Uh, as to what to do about uh, trying to control these allergies. And crazily, in some of our breeds that get popular, uh, for example, the French Bulldog right now, uh, we're seeing allergies starting as, as early as six months of age. That's just crazy. Wow. And that's genetics. That's genetics, and it's a failure of the immune system. And uh, so we talk about colostrum and building the intestine up and, uh, proper foods and minimizing vaccines. But yeah, we're seeing allergies younger and younger and younger. Doc, we have um, a little over two minutes. Usually we have a little little um, lag time either way. But uh, today we've got this um, school that's coming on next. So we've got about a little over two minutes. Cancer is something that you and I have talked about with the pets uh, many times over the years. And it seems like we're always saying that it's on the rise. Is cancer still on the rise, or is it is it settling down? Where does it stand? Um, it's certainly on the rise. It's the number one cause of death of pets uh, now. We're used to see heart disease in the dog, number one, kidney disease in the cat, number two, especially in dogs. And the cats is probably still kidney disease uh, is the most common. And uh, and by the way, this often starts with just vomiting. And people say, ah, as a cat, he vomits air balls, he vomits this, he vomits that. A cat that's vomiting, especially an old cat that's vomiting once a week, twice a week, that's not normal. So you need to take them in and get them checked. But um, with cancer, we're seeing in dogs, especially even younger and younger and younger, two years old, um, mast cell t- cancer, even six months old. Uh, it's uh, So it, it is increasing, and I think it's, again, uh, the same factors that are affecting us. It's, it's poor quality food. It's maybe over-vaccination. It's, um, they're exposed to the same 
chemicals and all that we are, but they're closer to the ground. Their metabolism is faster, so you know, we see these things uh, multiply um, in in animals uh, so much faster. But yeah, we're we're seeing more and more, and uh, some of that's genetics. You know, in breeding, there's certain genetic lines uh, of within a breed. There are breed-specific cancers, and we'll see bone cancer in Rottweiler, for example. Um, lymphoma in the retrievers. So it's, uh, yeah, it's, it's a constant battle that we fight. It's a place where we use alternative medicine as well. It's a great place for combination therapy. We will use combinations of, uh, low dose or what's sometimes known as metronomic chemotherapy, uh, where we're not blasting the dogs with high doses. Um, we're doing like low dose every week kind of a thing. Uh, and combination with alternative therapy and diet therapy with that. And, and that seems to be helping quite a bit. Uh, so our, our science and our thoughts about treating cancer are also ever-changing, as they are in human medicine. In our final minute, Doc, do, do we know why? I mean, is it environmental? Is it that pets are living longer, so then they're getting cancer? They died before in the past, so they, they didn't die of cancer. They would have gotten it later. Do we know why this is happening? Well, really no, other than those things we were just mentioning. Um, you know, we're seeing cancer rates in humans still still high. You know, we may not have to treat it yeah, better. It's true. But it's not that we're preventing it uh, with any more... Um, help than we were before. It shows up. We find it sooner. Uh, we treat it sooner. We have new treatments. We have a new protocol. So I think our success rates with treating cancer are better, but uh, there's certainly no shortage of cancer patients every day. To reach Dr. Newkirk and the wonderful team at Newkirk Family Veterinarians. Call 609-645-2120. They're at 3085 English Creek Avenue in Egg Harbor Township. You're going to love the whole team, I promise you. NewkirkFamilyVeterinarians.com. Doc, until we meet again in two weeks, love the show. Have a great day. Hi, you too, everybody. Be happy and safe out there and enjoy your pets. You know it, my friend. Be well. He is Dr. Mark Newkirk. We'll be back in just a few minutes, and we're going to visit with the ideal... I-D-E-A-L, Ideal Institute of Technology, and their exciting announcement, this $4 million groundbreaking of their Institute of Learning that's going to be a a very uh, substantial hub that that will be a $4 million project. Big news on that coming up next. Did you know New Jersey's proposed energy master plan is going to cost $1.4 trillion of your money. That's nearly $150,000 per person to electrify all of your home appliances, pay the bill for public EV charges, stop the sale of gas cars and trucks, and put our electric grid on unreliable footings. Join Affordable Energy for New Jersey as we advocate for common sense energy policy and solutions that actually work for South Jersey. Learn more about the state's proposed policies at njaffordableenergy.org. It's early in the morning. We'll be back in just a few minutes. 
When I'm Brian Kilmeade, Tuesday edition of the Brian Kilmeade Show will feature Congressman Buddy Carter, Brett Baer, Colonel Alan West, former OMB Director Russ Voigt, and Dan Bilak from Ukraine. Lawlessness, last legs. I believe the D.C. Easy on Crime Bill's demise is indication of that, along with the crackdown on Antifa and their attack on Copland in Atlanta. Brian Kilmeade is next at 10 on WPG Talk Radio 95.5. WPG Talk Radio 95.5 FM and 1450 AM, South Jersey's number one talk station. And that would be all because of you. I've really been looking forward to this. Uh, Ren is probably not aware of this, but as an old school board member myself, I'm just a big fan. I'm a big fan of educational delivery systems in all their different formats. I'm the son of someone that loved technical schools. Uh, so I'm a huge fan, uh, and Ren doesn't even know it. And I'm going to learn a lot with all of you that I don't know about the ideal Institute of Technology. We're of course going to talk about this Thursday morning, this Thursday morning's big groundbreaking news and, and all of that. And I'm just a huge fan of schools that actually teach the skills that prepare you for a lifetime career. I'm not putting down, I'm, look, I'm a product of public education and I'm a former school board member. You know, I respect public education, but not every single student is a college prep student taking certain courses. If you think about it, how many of those courses did you ever use again ever in life? And then you go on to college and you take certain courses. Uh, the root of, of a technology institution is I think so valuable and, and especially in a changing society where certain job classifications are no longer even going to exist and it's going to involve training and in some cases retraining. So I'm very excited to uh, welcome the founder and a director of the Ideal Institute of Technology, Ren Parikh, uh, to the program. Ren, it's Harry. Welcome to the program. Good morning, sir. How are you? Good morning. Good to talk to you. So let's let's begin before we get to Thursday's uh, groundbreaking, because we we have some time here to develop this. And I'm really um, interested in learning about the Ideal Institute of Technology. Talk about the um, the the Institute of Technology. Then we'll get into some of the other stuff, like what's going to be happening on Thursday, because, because it's obviously very very big news. Tell us about the Ideal sure. Institute of Technology. Thank you. Good morning, everybody, first of all, and thank you for having me. Ideal Institute of Technology is a not-for-profit adult career vocational school. So uh, we provide uh, 16-year and older uh, South Jersey residents a career training in a technology, construction trade, advanced manufacturing, film and media production, and entrepreneurship. But we are the most unique a model in a creation in a, uh, America is uh, we're the first of its kind school that doing a project-based, work-based learning as a trade school. And we pay our students to come to school because our students have a work opportunity to work at our social enterprises. Well, see, that's exciting. So somebody actually, while they're learning, actually has a paycheck. They're getting paid uh, at your trade school, which I think is... Um, very interesting to a lot of people that may be learning about the ideal institute of technology for the first time i've heard of you uh i know i know a bit about it 
uh, a good friend of mine has shared with me a lot of important information about it. Uh, I also know that this next um, groundbreaking, that's next level for the ideal Institute of Technology, isn't it, what you're going to be doing? Absolutely. So we started in 2016 in a one room in Epsicon, right behind the Epsicon train station. And in last seven years, uh, we grew to uh, 47 team members uh, as an a ideal family. And uh, we're breaking a ground for our 45,000 square foot uh, main campus and expanding that campus for 20 more thousand square foot to create an entrepreneurship and technology hub. And that location is a formerly known as the Press of Atlantic City building in 1000 Washington Avenue, Pleasantville. Ren, I mentioned at the beginning of our interview about the fact that there are, I didn't get into the companies that need people that have these skill sets. That's certainly huge, and that's what you're doing. You're providing uh, qualified people to business and industry. There's a real need for the skills that one can achieve at the Ideal Institute of Technology, isn't there? Absolutely. So uh, being a product of uh, Atlantic City's hospitality industry, right, most of the time when we talk about a career opportunity in a South Jersey is uh, everybody's thought process is that it's only in uh, casino industry and a hospitality industry. But you won't realize we have a more than 400 different manufacturers in South Jersey who are in a need of a uh, manufacturing uh, workforce. Uh, same way in IT, we have a FAA tech center who are in a need of an IT workforce. So we as a, a career institute try to fill that gap and provide a high-end training. Most of the time, when you talk to talk about a vocational school or trade school, it's an entry-level job or it's a blue-collar job. But now uh, the world is changing and uh, there are an unbelievable number of uh, $70,000 to $100,000 starting salary for a trade in IT, advanced manufacturing, and even in a construction trade. In an article that I uh, ran in in an article that I wrote, I mean, I I didn't do it to be unkind to my former employer. I did spend two years at the Press of Atlantic City uh, and worked with worked with some very, very nice people, but made a prediction long ago, decades ago on this show, 31 years ago, that newspapers are going to cease to exist as we know them. There'll be a digital uh, component, but that the print editions aren't going to exist. The local daily is going from seven days uh, to three days. Uh, the building they used to own, they they can't own anymore. And the irony is you all own it now, and you're adding a $4 million project that I want to give you the opportunity to talk about right after the break. But I bring this up not to be unkind to the press. It's not a cheap shot at them. It's showing that an industry that used to thrive and was how people consume their news is now old before it even gets there. They can't even print it in time to print the score of a of a professional sporting event in Philadelphia uh, in time for people to get it. it. It's like a day later and people already know it in real time because we're in a digital world now. So this very space that used to actually house all these different people that no longer have jobs – uh, that, that printed the newspaper right across the street from that. That's where I was at the Devons Lane building. This was across the street from that in, in a, a sprawling, beautiful office, modern complex when it was built. And now it is the Ideal Institute of Technology 
who are about to break ground on a $4 million project that Ren will tell you all about. Very exciting uh, when we come back in just a few minutes with Ren Parikh. Ren Parikh is the founder and director of the Ideal Institute of Technology. I am early in the morning. Uh, we'll be back in just a few minutes. Don't go away. This is Early in the Morning, WPG Talk Radio 95.5 and on the WPG Talk Radio app. WPGG Atlantic City, WENJHD3 Millville, a Town Square media station. Do you find yourself stuck in a timeshare? Get the real facts about the timeshare industry and your options for cancellation. Chuck McDowell, founder of Wesley Financial Group, beat the largest timeshare company in federal court and has put together a free information guide that reveals the secrets the timeshare industry doesn't want you to know, including the five ways to get rid of your timeshare. Call now and get this timeshare cancellation guide Absolutely free. Call 800-838-1441. That's 800-838-1441. The Tunnel to Towers Foundation is building its Let Us Do Good Village in Lando Lakes, Florida. It's a community of 100 homes for Tunnel to Towers program recipients. Gold Star widow Danielle Thornton calls her home a blessing after the death of her husband Robert, a U.S. Army sergeant. In the village, Gold Star families of fallen and catastrophically injured first responders and service members are neighbors. Donate $11 a month to Tunnel to Towers at T2T.org. That's T, the number 2, T.org. When you need to know, it's WPG Talk Radio 95.5. It is uh, 55 minutes past the hour with Ren Parikh. I am early in the morning. Ren is the founder and director of the Ideal Institute of Technology. So you know when you are about to embark in just a couple of days, not even Thursday at 11 a.m., when you're embarking on the groundbreaking for an expansion project of $4 million that you are you are well invested uh, in, in this concept. Tell everybody, Ren, what's going to be happening on Thursday. It's It's got to be very exciting for you. Yes, is uh, we're super excited at Ideal uh, because we served last seven years in South Jersey, Atlantic County, in particular. And the way I was sharing that we started our journey with the one small room in Epsigan. Yeah. From there to uh, be a, a part of a forty-five thousand square foot building uh, as our main campus. That shows our commitment and a, our growth in a South Jersey. So. Uh, we're dedicating uh, entrepreneurship and technology hub to South Jersey, and we make Pleasantville as our home because the Pleasantville residents and a Pleasantville uh, city uh, invited us and made us feel like our home. We already have a small campus in Pleasantville uh, at 121-123 South Main Street. We also repurposed the Hamilton Mall because we have our main campus currently inside the Hamilton Mall. And uh, we also have a footprint in Atlantic City, Tanger Outlet. So from all those locations to have a centralized hub where we're going to be creating. So we have an existing 45,000 square foot building where 15,000 square foot is dedicated to our main campus for Ideal Institute of Technology. But most exciting thing for South Jersey is we're creating a first of its kind uh, small business incubator. So we will have a 15,000 square foot uh, footprint on a second floor. That's going to be South Jersey's Young Entrepreneur Startup Accelerator. And that's to support 
minority-owned businesses, small businesses, and our students uh, enroll in our entrepreneurship program because we have the most unique entrepreneurship program where we don't just teach how to do the business, how to do the marketing, how to do the business plan, but we actually graduate students with their business in operation. We were just covered in a, uh, uh, the Philadelphia News Network uh, with our entrepreneurship in a food business because we run a food truck in Atlantic City. Mm-hmm. So this hub and this uh, incubator will help us expand our entrepreneurship program and provide a platform for all those uh, who wanted to start a business with the uh, lower startup cost. Yeah, Ren, we covered... Uh, we, we also... Uh, I was just going to say, we covered your food truck. I mean, you're doing a lot yes. of really good things that... Um, I'm 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 impressed. The city of Pleasantville uh, saw the the value of your organization. I give them a lot of credit because that's an that's an incredible uh, development project for the city of Pleasantville that you could have put anywhere. And so credit to you, credit to Pleasantville. It's it's exciting. So at Thursday uh, this week, March 9th at 11 a.m., when you break ground for the four million dollar project project. Explain, Ren, to your listeners, what is an entrepreneurship and technology hub? What is that? So uh, uh, an entrepreneurship and technology hub is a magnet for anyone, young or adult, interested in starting a business or who are in the business to utilize our nine social enterprise and our hub as a resource. So whether you are a small restaurant and trying to do digital marketing, uh, our students uh, enroll in our film and media production will be able to do a lot of uh, video uh, printing and a digital work marketing work for you. So I took that $5 haircut at the barber school concept and bring it up to the high-end, high-tech technology programs. So our motto is we do what we teach. And uh, if we're teaching a cell phone repair, then we have a tech center, social enterprise, where we do the cell phone repair. Uh, If we're teaching a cybersecurity, we manage IT network for a lot of companies. So any businesses, they are interested in growing or they just need a virtual office or temporary office space because they are starting up in a business, we will be able to host. Now it comes to technology we're offering those technology training that's not available or accessible in South Jersey. So whether it's a virtual reality, augmented reality, game design, uh, or Amazon Web Services, uh, Cisco uh, certification or networking or a cybersecurity sector, or a full-stack web development, we are uh, teaching that for uh, those who are interested in a work-based learning. So we're not only just saying that, okay, you can learn this, but you can learn and earn at the same time. So $4 million investment in that building is not only the renovating and rehabbing the existing building, but we are adding our first addition is going to be aquaponics. Uh, That's a a water-based agriculture research center. It's going to be a 4,500 square foot uh, greenhouse, um, but we're creating as a research center in uh, agriculture technology, so we will have it uh, solar panel, uh, microgrid, and the aquaponic system where we're not going to be only growing the fish and uh, vegetables, but we're going to support all our food truck owner graduates uh, with 
uh, fresh vegetables and uh, fish. Wow. So that's that's our uh, earn and learn model for aquaponics, and we have a, developed this ecosystem that uh, the growing students, the agriculture students, will grow. The entrepreneurship students going to be a consumer of it. Same way we run a store on Amazon, and it's the same model that we graduate students with their own e-commerce business. Now, additional thing we're doing is that we're developing a 14,000 square foot advanced manufacturing facility where we're hosting uh, pharmaceutical, nutraceutical manufacturing line uh, and a sign manufacturing. So all those signs that you see, LED signs, uh, we're going to be teaching how the CNC machine operates, how the letter bending machine operates. But in that process, we will be actually producing for the small businesses and a big corporation. Uh, and that's how we can sustain a paid work experience. So if students enroll in an advanced manufacturing program, they will be operating CNC machine and uh, they will be actually producing the product. So the confidence that students have is that whatever the skills they're learning, it's worth getting paid for. And uh, the way we sustain is we're a nonprofit school, but we never fundraise. We always work raise. So I go out in a community, our team go out in a community and don't ask for uh, donations uh, in terms of uh, money, but we ask for work so our students can have a hands-on and a paid work experience. So that's that's a technology and entrepreneurship hub in a nutshell. It's impressive. It is so impressive. Ren Parik is our guest. We've got about uh, two and a half minutes left in today's program. We're going to make it count. He Ren is the founder and director at the Ideal Institute of Technology. Now, it's also my understanding it doesn't end here at all that you are in in the, the midst of investing another $6 million in Pleasantville, which would represent a hotel, microbrewery, restaurants, all to be run by students. So, I mean, th- this this continues, doesn't it, Ren? Absolutely. And that's, and that's the reason I was saying that I am thankful for a Pleasantville resident and a Pleasantville administration to provide us that uh, homely feeling. Uh, we already have MOU to develop Main Street and Washington Avenue city block. Uh, that's a 30,000 square foot footprint block where we wanted to create a robust hotel management institute where as a trade, because uh, I'm envisioning uh, the robust hospitality industry can get benefit and we can provide a workforce need of uh, South Jersey's uh, hospitality industry by uh, training our youth and adults while operating a business so they get a paid work experience. So that's, that's, that's the goal, and that project is under development now. Incredible. Really incredible. For those that want to find out more, they're on the web at iitnj.org. That's iitnj.org. Simple enough uh, to remember there. Uh, closing comment. We've got about a minute. Anything you'd like to close with, Ren? Well, I, I'm an advocate of uh, high-end training and education, but I always say this to my students. We all heard that education is our fundamental right, and we go extra mile at ideal and says getting education is your job, and when you do your job, you get paid. So we're most innovative model that solves the student loan problem in a country because we pay students to come to school. At least we provide an option 
uh, and that opportunity. So anybody interested in learning more about or getting a career in IT or entrepreneurship, uh, please visit us. Uh, we're open 9 to 5, Monday to Friday. You don't have to make an appointment. Uh, you can come check us out anytime. Ren, thank you. Uh, really a pleasure to meet you today over the phone. I've enjoyed the interview, and I hope we talk again. Much success, and good luck Absolutely. on Thursday. Yeah. Thank you very much. I appreciate uh, having me here. Thank yeah, you. Me too, Ren. Be well. Take good care. Brian Kilmeade is here. I've got to run. We'll see you on the digital platform of WPG Talk Radio 95.5.